two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not limited to talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the junk that follows this song, but hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of they are divided For equal, sequel, hate, and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive A big thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song It is September 19th, 2019 Oh my god my name is Zach Weber, and I am joined by the J.J. Abrams expert, in parenthetical, what a shameful title, Rob. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. Always a, a pleasure to make my monthly appearance uh, as a Knight of Vader on Knights of Vader. I think this means I lied last time because I said next time I'd be on here for a book review. That's next month, everybody, so watch out. Now, before yeah. we get into... Whatever Zach made me watch for this and whatever J.J. Abrams talk of Star Wars we're going to get into, I wanted to take the reins from Zach. I have a few announcements, a few updates, some gripes with old Knights of Vader episodes. So I figured I'd just jump right into it uh, as long as Zach's okay with it and he says he's okay with it. <laughs> so I'm quite used to losing control of this podcast immediately. Oh, yeah. There, there you go. At least uh, I'll be able to keep my tangent under control, I believe. We'll see how good, that goes. Good. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to mention, I've mentioned it on a previous episode of Knights of Vader. I wanted to give another shout out to a band called the Immortal Lansberries. Certainly a reference to Angela Lansbury, who in, in fact is immortal, uh, allegedly. Um, definitely check them out. Uh, they had a few songs last time I mentioned them. Now their first album has been released. You can find on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Deezer. All these title, I think it's on title even. If you, you want to pay Ooh. for title subscription, you can find the music there. Um, but we dig them. If you like uh, An Inspirity Complex or the theme song for Knights of Vader, it's definitely along those same lines. They're like a sister band to us, so give them a, a listen, check them out. I hope when Zach edits this, he remembers to put a link for them in the show notes. You can find them on Facebook, uh, slash the Immortal Lansberries or Bandcamp, all that stuff. Another thing I want to mention, not related to music, even though we are recording this in the past, when all of the Knight of Vader, Knights of Vader listeners hear this, it will be Thursday, September 26th. That's right, Zach. You're not messing with the release schedule or anything for this episode? No, it should be the 26th, barring some major announcement. Okay, well, I'm going to hope this comes out the 26th because everybody, I know the dedicated fans, they listen to this early in the morning when it comes out. Uh Everybody set your DVR or watch it live. Tonight is the premiere of Law & Order SVU Season 21. I know I'm excited, and I have to wait a week still. <laughs> and the last thing, so those are my updates, my announcements, the gripes that I wanted to get on. Uh, I was tempted to post this in the Knights of Vader Facebook group, but since I heard the episode and I was going to be talking to Zach and recording this in the same day. I figured, let's wait, and let me give one of my issues with last week's episodes of Knights of Vader. It was a great episode overall, once again, about something that is, you know, not, not anything I would usually think about. 
Um, but I did want to point out to all the people in the audience that were screaming along with me, pretty sure everything that you guys said about Breaking Bad was incorrect in one way or another. <laughs> so what right? this this came up with um, Giancarlo Esposito is going to be on The Mandalorian, I believe. And Zach said he's only ever seen one episode of Breaking Bad. Uh, Zenger, for some reason, thought it was the finale. And I kind of like rolled my eyes and I was like, does Zenger even know you, Zach? Why would you just watch the finale of a TV show? And then I said, oh, I made Zach do that for Adventure Time. So that wasn't my biggest gripe. Um, but when you, when you attempted to explain the episode we did for Cinemodities way back when, season two, episode two, titled Grilled, you described it as someone was cooking something on a car. That was a total blend. There was definitely somebody cooking something, but they were in a real kitchen. And oh, there was okay. also a car in the episode. <laughs> there was no cooking on cars going on in the slightest. And then I think the conversation went on. The other point that really stuck out to me was um, you, Zach, were asking who Giancarlo Esposito played. And he was, of course, Gus Fring. You knew him as the dude who gets his face half blown off or the two-face scene, as uh, Russ describes it. Zanger then almost immediately says, oh, there was this whole buildup in that season to that scene where they showed this teddy bear that was burnt and stuff like that. No, no, Zanger, you're wrong. The burnt teddy bear in the buildup oh was season two for the airplane crash at the end. We talk about that in our Cinemodities episode. So it was just, it was just a nightmare listening to that. And I hope that other uh, listeners of Knights of Vader feel some retribution now that I actually get to yell at Zach about this a week later. So um, I, it, it seems, though, that you noticed this as well. It wasn't kind of you weren't just blissful in your ignorance of Breaking Bad. You actually kind of realized that something went wrong when I told you something was wrong, right? Something like that. OK, OK. So, yeah, that was that was my moment. I'm so glad Zach lets me on here so I can complain directly to the source. <laughs> and folks, if you didn't unsubscribe from all the erroneous information about Breaking Bad, I hope you unsubscribe piece of that rant. <laughs> if we didn't lose you the first time, we definitely lost you the second time. <laughs> Zero stars, be, unsubscribe. I think there's going to be one month where Zach's like, Rob, you might not need to come on Knights of Vader. I don't think we haven't discussed. And I was like, well, no, Zach, I have a laundry list of things <laughs> I can correct you about. <laughs> Every day is festivist day when Rob comes on the podcast. Oh, boy. But that was it. Those are the announcements. Check out the Immortal Lansberries. Get ready for season 21 of Law & Order SVU. Know you're breaking bad lore. Throw it over to Zach now. What are we doing today? Well, folks, if you weren't tired of it already, we are talking more. How is Palpatine going to show up in The Rise of Skywalker? Along with some other stuff I've been kind of like researching into, like trying to figure out the creative thought process at Lucasfilm, which is kind of like solving a jigs or technically solving a Rubik's cube in the dark being like strung up upside down. That's kind of how I feel trying to figure out their creative process. Cause it always seems to be in motion yet. I do think there are some indicators and clues based on what I had Rob watch and I watched as well. So that being said, what we watched for this, we watched two rebels episodes titled wolves at a door was the first one. And then A World Between Worlds was the yes. second one. Yeah. Yes, season four, episode 12, and season four, episode 13 of Rebels. And we also watched three episodes of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Overlords, season three, episode 15. Altar of Mortis, season three, episode 16. And Ghost of Mortis, season three, episode 17. 
So we have a whole host of content, which if you do know all these episodes, you can kind of guess in the overall trajectory this episode is going in. So, because Rob is our residential layman when it comes to Star Wars, if it weren't for me harassing him and this podcast that he feels obligated to be a part of once a month, I think it'd be fair to say, Rob, you're one of these people that wouldn't think of Star Wars that much, that much, right? De- definitely not. Um, uh, while I've said before, you know, I, I grew up on Star Wars, the original trilogy, the prequels, I do still enjoy them. I've never gotten into kind of the ancillary media. Uh, I believe this is the first time I have ever watched like a full episode of a Star Wars TV show. I might not be remembering maybe one that I watched with Zach way back in the day or something like that. Who knows? But I know Rebels I had never seen before. Clone Wars, I just remember the movie. But yeah, this is something I never would have looked into uh, if it wasn't for this, for Zach and and this discussion. I I guess I should say that they were all right uh, to, since we mentioned it already, uh, to take a line that Zach said in the Cinemodities Breaking Bad episode. Based on these episodes... I don't think I want to watch anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, they were no. they were good. They weren't terrible. They weren't fantastic. There was stuff I liked, stuff I didn't like, stuff that was very, you know, kids show type of thing. Um, but overall, it was pretty neutral. Okay, going back to Rob saying his prior history with Star Wars and Ciliary Media, I want to say chicken hutlet parmesan. Yeah, oh yeah. That's what I was disappointed that there was no chicken hutlets in, uh, in this episode. No huts at all. No. I don't know, it's funny, they have never explained what happened to Road to the Hut. They, I don't think they've ever explained that. Somebody cooked them up. Had chicken out with Parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of the other huts. <laughs> uh, all right, so so you weren't too thrilled, though, but that kind of, I, I, we did not, all right, my intention was not to have your kind of, like, objective opinion on it. Yeah, I so, figured, yeah. So, with all this being said, because with the Rebels episodes, we discussed those on Knights of Vader a year and a half ago when they aired. Okay. Because when the whole thing happened, I guess spoilers for episodes of a TV show that are a year and a half old now. But the whole thing is that Ahsoka comes back to life. Ah, yes. Because the season, this is where I have to provide Rob a little bit of context. And hopefully, if you don't remember it too well, the audience as well. At the end of season two of Rebels, a lot happens. It's a major, major kind of like wrap up of a lot of things things that are going on in that series. Is that Ahsoka pretty much is assumed dead. It's kind of left ambiguous, but it's assumed that, okay, Vader walks out. The giant Sith temple weapon blows up. And it was, oh, we don't know what's going to happen to her. And Cowboy Hat Man, uh, Rob, are you familiar with the tale of Cowboy Hat Man? I don't know. I don't think I'm familiar with the tale, but is it true that Cowboy Hat's Cowboy Hat Man's name is Dave Filoni? Is that who we're talking about? Well, that's that's the rumor. I've always referred to him as Cowboy Hat Man. Oh, the rumor is that that's his real name, Dave Filoni. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm, As, I'm up to speed, I think. <laughs> and to further elaborate on the legend, the legend says that if you see him once, that means you do good. <laughs> if you see him two more times, that means you do bad. <laughs> this is the this is the girl. <laughs> <laughs> see, folks, somebody out there is going, aha, and it might be only Rob when he listens to this when it eventually <laughs> is released. <laughs> um, but no, Cowboy Hat Man, he's, he was, I remember when season two of Rebels ended, he, I think it was right right around the time of like one of the celebrations and he was walking around with like an Ahsoka lives t-shirt and something happened where like Ahsoka lives question mark. And then like they showed a clip to something. He changed his shirt and it said Ahsoka lives exclamation mark. Everyone's like, Whoa, what does this mean? Because yeah. at that point, Ahsoka, there was a big thing in the series where it's I'm like, I am no Jedi. 
And it's like, oh, and that was another big point, too, between Force Awakens and Last Jedi, where the big talking point before the, the raging hard-on against that film started was, oh, maybe Luke Skywalker and Rey are going to be gray Jedi, which everyone was getting excited about. And it sounded the most sounded like the most boring thing in the world when I like read up on what gray Jedi were. Um, imagine you take Star Wars and literally suck the fun out of it. That's what gray Jedi are. Sounds and- great. said to say probably a lot of people would like that now but no so like when this happened they really didn't allude to it in any way the fact that ahsoka would be coming back i know there was back sometime in like 2017 or so there were some like trading cards that were released or that had like ahsoka like traveling through like something or very mystical spiritual stuff and people were trying to discern what it meant but it was kind of it was very very ambiguous and open sure Mm-hmm. So when we watched this show or when everybody did in real time back in April, maybe March, April of 2018, it was like, what's going on here? So I remember watching it. I can't remember any really any specific hype around it, but it was like, oh, you see the Mortis gods. And anytime the Mortis gods come into play, that usually means something has incredible significance in the Star Wars mythos. Okay. Because, because and the reason this is the context that Rob doesn't have. Was that back in 2011, I want to say, when the season three box set of Clone Wars was released on Blu-ray, they had, whatever it was, every episode had like a little mini like featurette kind of like not explaining what the episode was about or just kind of like going into like the creative process behind it. And I remember when the Mortis trilogy aired in real time sometime, and I think in like 2010, 11, sometime in there with season three, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, what is this? There's a lot of explain. There was a lot of explaining of the mystical side of Star Wars, but it was kind of that inter- it, it, it balanced itself out because it explained things, but kept alive and still mystical, which yeah. is a really hard thing to do. And so when the Blu-ray came out, they have featurette about that. I'm like, oh, and I can still remember clicking on it back in like the summer of 2011. And it was Dave Filoni, Cowboy Hat Man. And he's like, and I'll play the whole clip here. It's about two minutes long. And he basically goes. You will notice on this box that there is no lengthy documentary on the Mortis trilogy. Christian Taylor, who wrote the trilogy and myself, we both firmly believe that we should really not answer directly a lot of the questions about Mortis. Was that really Qui-Gon Jinn that appeared to Obi-Wan in the cave or not? What does it mean that Ahsoka talks to her older self? Will she ever reach that age? Who was the father? What does it mean now that Anakin's the chosen one and that he has a better understanding of that? Ahsoka apparently died and she came back to life. Does that have any meaning? We have answers to those questions for sure. But if I answer directly what something is, I feel that I'll be robbing you of the purpose of that arc, which is to make you wonder, it's to make you challenge certain ideas, to ask questions. There are many mysteries in Star Wars, there are many mysteries on the planet Mortis. I think George really started to delve back into the mythology that he created about the Force itself. And we started to see some of those elements be personified in the father, the son, and the daughter. George is highly involved in all aspects of this series, but when we deal directly with the Force, um, Christian Taylor and I feel very strongly that, you know, that word has to come directly from George. A lot of the notes from Mortis come from a really old binder that George has that has his original writings on what the Force is and what makes it up. The core of the Force. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you got the dark side, the light side. One is selfless, one is selfish. And you want to keep them in balance. Slowly, over time, things will start to become more clear about Mortis. We aren't done exploring the nature of the Force and the kind of bigger mythical questions that we began to ask in the Mortis trilogy. Always in Motion is the future, and the Clone Wars future is in motion right now, working on future episodes that will continue this rather intriguing arc that George has brought to light after many years. And for the most part, Mortis never really showed up. The Mortis gods, that is, mm -hmm. never showed up again in Star Wars. Like, yes, here and there, they're referenced, they're sprinkled into things. But it wasn't until this episode of Rebels where you see them and you have to, as a Star Wars fan, your ears have to perk up. Because it's like, oh, if we're going into this, especially when it involves Jedi Temple stuff, and this is, at, and this is part of Rebels, that after Kanan is dead, the seer, I think this is about maybe the second or third episode away from the series finale. Okay. So it was like, okay, you, you combine all these factors, and okay, Kanan just died, series finale's right around the corner, and Mortis guides. This is going to have importance further down the line. Mm -hmm. And so for that first episode, and I think you agree, Rob, it's essentially just set up for the following episode. Oh, oh yeah, uh, Wolves in a Door is very much just, you know, get us to where we need to be, or get our characters where we need to be. And they even, you know, they have that line where I think, because it starts, and what, uh, Ezra, Ezra Pound is his name? Ezra Bridger. Ezra Furman? <laughs> Ezra Kenig? <laughs> if you know all those references, you get a spot on your, um, your your Ezra spot on this on the Knights of Vader bingo card, as Zach likes to say. <laughs> I, I didn't get any of those, folks. So I, I did not get that little bingo spot filled up. So okay, well, proceed, yeah, Rob. Proceed. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it starts with Ezra. He has the the stone from the temple that this wolf brought him. It turns out he can like force talk to wolves. They go to the temple on the wolves, and we get the line where what's his name Zeb, I think. Yeah, says something like, how long does it take to get to the temple? And I'm like, long enough to fill out a 22-minute episode. <laughs> and so it's just like, we have to get people there. And then, you know, I think it ends right when, what, he runs through the portal, which is, which then I was on board. I was like, okay, now I want to see what happens. Okay. Yeah, that's essentially the first half of the episode. And what has happened at this point, Rebels, was that uh, Kanan and Ezra went to the Jedi Temple on Lafal a couple of times. Okay. And the last time I think we see it is somewhere at the end of season two where the Inquisitors, Rob, do you know what an Inquisitor is? In the context of Star Wars. I, <laughs> I believe so. Some okay. regiment of the Empire that's doing information stuff? Well, sure. The Inquisitors were, hunt, were essentially force wielders that were non-Sith that were dispatched by Darth Vader to hunt down Jedi-like survivors. Gotcha. That's, is this what... Malcolm McDowell's character is, or is he something different? No, he's he's actually a weird thing where he he's kind of he's he's connected to Palpy, but we do, yeah. he's more of he's part of he's a dignitary or an advisor. I think we're gonna get a little bit more into that actually with the rise of Skywalker because there's a lot. Gotcha. Palpatine was doing a lot of weird stuff, and that's the biggest thing to be learned from all this. Palpatine had his fingers in everything, and I think just now we're just starting to like kind of like scratch the surface of that. And that's what next episode is gonna be about too. Is about. Palpatine was doing things, folks, and they've been alluding to it for a while. Like, and the clues to him coming mm -hmm. back were there for years now. Everyone just ignored it, myself included. Um, but no, the uh, Palpatine, the, it's, he's a dignitary, he's an advisor. That's the best way to put it. 
Okay, okay. That's Malcolm McDowell's character. But no, how season two of Rebels ends with the Temple was that the Inquisitors show up there because they've tracked Kanan and Ezra there. Kanan and Ezra escape. Invaders brought there. Invaders things like destroy the Temple. Mm-hmm. The next time we see the Temple is in these episodes where the the Empire has excavated actually to the very core of it. They've just dug it all up, essentially. And, yes. Yes. And so at that point, like Rob says, Sabine and Ezra, have to, you see this really, the animation's done beautifully of the Mortis guys. You have the father, the son, and the daughter. And through the force, Ezra basically unlocks the portal door by having them, re, like, with use, use of the force, they move their hands. That's essentially the, uh, the lock coming apart and it opens up a portal of a bunch of wolves chasing their tail in a circle and that's how the episode ends yeah i don't know if zach ever played it because i think we've talked about how we didn't have a playstation but abe's odyssey the video game you ever hear that zach i have not okay uh it's an older one for the playstation one and the wolves running around and you jump through the portal there's the same exact thing in this game, but with birds like flying after each other. And I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, that's like a nom flashback from my childhood. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the point where I was so I was ready for the next episode because the whole first this first episode, Wolves in a Door, I was like, OK, set up. Yeah, this this dude, Kanan, Kanan, the sword mistress is dead. That's a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Uh, and I'm just like. <laughs> I'm like, here we go, okay, they get to the painting, they're like, we're gonna open the painting, there's all this kind of dialogue that, you know, the very much Star Wars-y dialogue, as I think of it, uh, what's her name, Sabine, says something like, Ezra, it's art, everything has a meaning, and I was like, ah, okay, yeah, Star Wars, and it was, I was just kind of like, where are we going with this, and then he jumps into the portal, and I was like, I'm in, I'm sold. I guess I did also want to ask you, they were like the script just demanded that they needed our main Jedi or, or good people. I don't know if they're Jedi to be alone near the painting to talk about it and figure out how to work it. And so there's just like fi- a five second sequence where Malcolm McDowell is like this. This is the we have to do something with this painting. And then this lizard guy walks up to him and he's like, Lord, we have discovered more symbols. And he leaves. And I'm like, what? I'm like, where is this coming from? Well, and he's that's gone for like the rest of the episode. That's Star Wars set dressing because that's Definitely. a trend ocean. We don't, and there's things you could pull from this. And this is my own kind of like speculation that I'm projecting on too is that the mining guild might be involved. Because uh, they are excavating. Oh, okay. So, so we do know things like from Solo that the fact that the oh good lord the um oh good lord so, like, like, all the, there's a bunch of guilds in Star Wars. All Kai had different things. I forget. Okay. Uh, specific though, sure. but no, the the, the Trandoshan is there because I think he's supposed to be part of the mining guild, and okay. that's it why was so jarring to hear the like the snake talk from a lizard person out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's again Trandoshans are Star Wars. It's, it's a it's a it's an alien. At one point, there's a Rodian in there. Oh, yep, yep, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Star Wars set dressing. I sure. I cannot blame them for that. Like, it's the same reason why the Death Troopers are there. There's no reason why for the Death Troopers to be there other than Star Wars. Mm, gotcha. Okay. But no, no, I, I get you. A lot of this, too, you have to, I, I think this show does a really good job, because the more and more I think about it, everybody looks at cl- the Clone Wars in retrospect now, and like, oh, this is such great television. And I, I have to say Rebels is a better show than Clone Wars. If for any other reason that it was able to learn the mistakes of Clone Wars, because okay. Rebels does, I think, have more of a 
it seems well, much more well crafted and put together. It doesn't seem as scattershot as Clone Wars was, and I don't know if that was Lucas's involvement or again they were just learning how to do things on the fly. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. Rebels, Rebels seemed like there was more of an idea in place, which we'll get into later on in this discussion. Um, but I guess yeah. I should say that I also I I think I enjoyed the Rebels episodes more than the Clone Wars episodes that we watched for this uh, this episode this recording because. I didn't really know much about rebels. I probably knew zero about rebels. Like, so all the characters I was unfamiliar with, like I, like Malcolm, I hear Malcolm McDowell's voice and I had to look it up to check if it was him type of thing. And it was a great reveal. The only character I knew in the whole thing would be Ahsoka and the Senate when he shows up in the second episode. Um, whereas in the clone wars, and I said, I think I might've said this on here before, definitely on cinemodities. I know these characters, I know Anakin, I know Obi-Wan, I kind of have some preconceived notion about what's going to go on in this kind of uh, type of story and things like that. It was kind of refreshing to see Star Wars Rebels and be like, I have no idea what's going on. But as Zach knows, I love getting thrown into stuff like that. Good. Because um, that's what I did, folks. I threw him in. I want you all to think yes. about this. Imagine never watching an episode of Star Wars Rebels and someone throws you into this. This is, this is the deep end of the pool right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I guess on even though we're going to talk about it more, another gripe I should mention, a serious Star Wars gripe with Knights of Vader. I know you love calling him Palpy on this show. We need more use of the Senate, I believe. <laughs> I, yeah. I prefer to call him the Senate. <laughs> All right. The problem is if you say the Senate in the context of Star Wars, that has an appropriate thing. Like you can say like, oh, like the Senate. And like, oh, mm, like, like it's prequel, not like Senate. Well de- it's not well defined. Okay. Okay. Well, okay, if, 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 yeah, like if Zenger says it, everybody knows what it means. Because Zenger is essentially like the Statler of the podcast from like the Muppets. Like, you're like, oh, if he's making a joke, like, oh, okay. That's the thing. You got to walk a fine line when it comes to things like that. Moving on to the second episode, and a lot of this, this is not going to be a recap, folks. If you're like, oh my god, like I've already spent a half an hour recapping stuff I already know. We're just kind of laying it out there as a refresher and to kind of like, again, not that Rob has to be explained any of this, but just in case there are kind of holes in this for him. Because how the second episode begins, Ezra walks into this kind of, what would you, how would you describe it, Rob? Kind of like this it's vast the astro- plane. It's the astral plane. That's how I would describe this, the astral plane. Okay. He's, he's in the astral plane, and throughout the astral plane, there's all these little kind of like bridges that connect different portals in different specific times of Star Wars. Yep, yep. I first, in my notes, I called it the plane of time, but I changed it to astral plane because the cosmic owl shows up. <laughs> We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> as because, soon as that happened, I was well. As soon as we got some um, Star Wars quotes, like good old, you know, things that everybody can notice in this plane of time, then the owl shows up, and I was like ready to go, type of thing. <laughs> yes, because this is the part of why I want to have this conversation: is that when Ezra's walking around this astral plane, and I think it's interesting that again, I've said it numerous times on here, Cowboy Hat Man has said. Ezra's Bridger's name was very deliberate. The name was not arbitrary, his name being Bridger. And you look at what he's doing is that he's walking, he's in the astral plane, and he's in this world that connects all the specific, all the most important aspects of Star Wars together. Mm-hmm. And when you're there, he walks up to one of the portals and he sees the duel with between Ahsoka and Darth Vader from the end of season two of Rebels. And out of nowhere, and I remember watching this in real time, he literally pulls her out of the portal in the moment of time that she was in, and Ahsoka has survived her duel with Darth Vader. Because at that point, Vader falls through the cracks of the Sith Temple, 
and the portal essentially kind of like extinguishes or closes itself off. Yep. Yep. And if you go back to that discussion that we had about this episode on Knights of Vader from like a year and a half ago, I wasn't, I was never really mad at this. I was kind of perturbed because I said, oh no. And as and the reason why Rob was invited on for this discussion was that on Cinemodies, we are doing, we're covering the Terminator series right now. Oh yeah. And, and because not obviously anybody who even has a slight grasp of what Terminator is about, it's all about time travel. So I figured, oh, this would be a fun little tie-in. I've been wanting to talk about the Mortis stuff, the Ahsoka thing, Palpatine coming back. And I figured this would be a cute little tie-in because that episode of Knights of Vader was titled Star Wars Does Time Travel. But as I was watching this, I couldn't help that this wasn't time travel. What this is is very similar to Avengers Endgame time travel, quote unquote, logic. Yeah, it's more at, of the um, the splintering effect, like in Endgame and like in Back to the Future, where it seems like something just has changed. The past hasn't changed. The future's outcome has been rewritten because of these events that tie into past events. I guess. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that. How I saw it was time is linear. So even if you play around or if you're somehow able to manipulate elements, and this is how Cowboy Hat Man explained this. I forget where. It might have been a celebration. might have been an interview. I forget specifically. How he explained the Ahsoka thing says we did not do time travel and save her. What happened was Ezra was always destined to pull her out of that portal so she never died. Okay. Because if in that a season two episode of Rebels, the you see it in the in this episode, the little whatever you want to call it door shuts, and mm-hmm. he doesn't see. He just assumes she dies, and we're and it's alluded to that she dies because we see Vader walk out and she doesn't. Okay. So that was always the explanation was that oh the story was always going in that direction. It just wasn't revealed until two years later. Oh, so it's more of a um. Oh, Dirk Gently type of thing. That type of time travel where it's I always going to happen. Everything everything will always occur the same exact way. You can change nothing, but it's not till kind of the end of that arc where you understand that that was the case. Yes. Gotcha. And that's kind of the thesis of this conversation, folks. You might have to do kind of like a rewind and play that again, what Rob just said, because I think this is... Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. That's, it's a series of books. That's what they do a lot of that stuff. It was also, I think they adapted into a TV show, right? Oh, yeah. I think it was Max Landis wrote it. We're not allowed to say that name, Rob. Oh, oh I, I never watched it, but I think it was... Beep! <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so as you're watching this with Ahsoka, he pulls her out. He has to kind of like very much on the fly explain to her what happened. Mm-hmm. And as they're traversing, traversing this astral plane, they go up to one of the portals and we see the death of Kanan again. Yeah. And she kind of has to explain to him, being like, Ezra, if you pull him out of this moment, everybody dies, not just him. I really and, liked that kind of, you know, because I, I totally got that this dude was his master or his, you know, uh, teacher in some extent. And he he died recently. He really wants to save him. He's like, this is why I'm here, to save Kanan. And it's like, well, no, he saved you. So if you save him, you die in turn. And I was like, okay, this is... This is taking an interesting turn where it's not just like, this is the goal, I have to do it. There was actually this kind of, no, let's let's think about the consequences for a second. And that's what I have to say about this is that, again, 
I think everybody who's watched Rebels all the way through appreciates it. I don't think anybody who's watched all four seasons of it said meh, because okay. Rebels did get really philosophical at times, and it all made sense. Nice. It, it all seemed like it was trending. It all kind of like connects perfectly because the, the ending of Rebels is perfect. Like I I love the series finale of Rebels. I think it's it's masterfully done, especially with that epilogue they have at the end, which we'll get into. But Rob didn't Rob didn't get forced to watch that because the <laughs> series finale is like forty five minutes long, and there's so much going on that it would take like an hour to. Kind of just explain context like oh that's This character that's why they're here oh and I think this would have been the um Zach, If you did this Zach this would have been your payback For our Adventure Time discussion <laughs> And you would have sent me 10 pages Of notes on how to prepare <laughs> <laughs> Except I don't have the patience For that um But no that's kind of the whole thing Though is that uh, uh, Rebels definitely felt Like it was trending in some specific direction okay. Because after Ezra walks Away from the portal that had Kanan dying In it and this was pointed out at The time when this episode aired is that Above the portal because there's a lot of Symbols and just stuff around The portals and in the astral Plane it's the Sith symbol Or what was well again, good old Lucasfilm doesn't know what they're doing half the time <laughs> Is it was the original Sith symbol, and they've okay. changed that now. Now with the Sith Troopers, the Sith Troopers have a whole new Sith symbol, and it's not the one we've had now for the last twenty plus years. So, go figure if it has any meaning anymore. Yeah, but you know the, it's a you know it's a big deal when the Empire has to rebrand, right? <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> um, and see, folks, I thought I was getting rid of Statler and Waldorf on this episode, and little did I know that I was getting a Gonzo instead. <laughs> I think I'm, if anything, I'm the I'm the I'm the doc the meet 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 what's that Doctor Beaker or something like that? Oh, you're Beaker. Okay, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but no. So after the Kanan image like vanishes and Ezra and Ahsoka go to turn away, we see good old Palpy there, and Palpy mm-hmm. is just like he is dialed up to eleven. He has a giant like blue flame bowl that he's like just like waving his hands over. And the thing I think is the most interesting, one of the most el- interesting elements of this is that I even brought up the subtitles because I have the Blu-ray, and it says. Palpatine speaking in alien language. You open the door to this world. Do you know how to close it? Sabine will know. We can do it together. They'll be so happy to see you. I can't go with you. Perhaps I can. It's a Bridger and a Sugar Tano. Mine at last. Would you want to explain what it is that he conjures up And what's able to kind of like penetrate The gateway Uh force fire Is how I described it But it was basically blue fire Coming from his hands Like his force electricity or force lightning Would and but there's actually I think one scene where we There's a a few shots where we see the fire coming through And then doesn't his hand come through A little bit too that's what happens. At one point, the, okay, to describe to people what's going on here is that Ahsoka and Ezra see him like. Now I'm not sure if they know it's the Emperor. I don't think it's ever said that to him. 
and or, or they exclaim it. I mean, we we know it's the emperor. Yeah, the, yeah. The blue fire like is almost like tentacles that Palpatine is conjuring up as a of kind of like hands. Hand, yes. like, kind of like an uh, extension of hands And at one point one of these Blue fire belts Or tentacles grabs onto Ezra And starts to drag him backwards mm-hmm. And as that happens Palpatine's hand penetrates the gateway And Ahsoka pulls out her lightsabers And slices This blue fire Tentacle and Palpatine's Hand basically then pulls right back Into wherever Portal yep. that he's in yeah, very. It's very clearly like painful, and it causes him to recoil to some yes. extent. Yeah. Thank you. Recoil being the proper word there, because and that's that's the thing though. And so basically, the rest of the scene plays out is they both like Ahsoka and Ezra have to split off. Ahsoka goes back to the portal she came out of. Ezra goes to his, and she go, and he tells her, "Come find me." And so Rob knows that's the epilogue of Rebels. In that, yes, I've read Rebel- that. Yeah. Okay. Rebels ends with Ezra and Thrawn going into the unknown regions, which if you've heard a couple weeks ago with the Thrawn treason episode, which looking at the downloads was hardly any of you, um, except for you, Adam. Thank you, Adam, for listening. Everybody follow Adam's example and check out the Thrawn treason episode, because I do think that all this is going to play into the the rise of Skywalker, maybe not directly, but tangentially, Mm -hmm. because when this happens, um, Ahsoka and Sabine go looking for Ezra, and that's the end of Rebels. And it's been a year and a half now, and there's been nothing hinting at is there going to be another TV show? Is there going to be a comic? Is it going to be a book? Is it a video game? We have nothing. It's been cut off. And from what I've been able to figure out and deduce about how Lucasfilm does things, is that when they just all of a sudden stop focusing on a character or characters... That usually means they're being used for something. Sure. Once they dis- it's like Boba Fett. That's been the giant joke of Knights of Vader now for almost three years. Is that Boba Fett's one of the most popular characters of Star Wars, and he's shown up in one thing since Disney bought Star Wars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. One of the most popular characters and one of the most recognizable characters of all Star Wars, and he's in one thing, and that's a book. And maybe and he's and he's in the comics here and there though, but no, not that is not a. A activity for the the filthy casuals out there. They're not buying comic sure. books to, to see Boba Fett. Yeah, and I'm you, I'm sure you would know more about the the workings of you know these Lucasfilm and the studios more than I would. Um, but I can totally believe that. That's a really common thing for I think media and just for kind of you know technology or products that you know a company will buy something and it'll go dark for a while until they're ready and primed to release it in the way it needs to be released type of thing. And so, yeah, I could see that with characters. You know, certain characters could be taken away, and it's they know that when they get revealed again, it's going to have weight for the fans. And that yeah. matters, yeah. And that's the feeling that I'm getting with Rebels and with Thrawn. Basically, basically a lot of stuff from Rebels, including Thrawn, in that, oh... You introduce you have all these characters that you've spent years now pouring marketing dollars and making the fans mm-hmm. fall in love with, and now we're going to pull them out yep. of the spotlight. At least not pull; they're, they're still there. If you're, it's not like anyone saying you can't watch Rebels if you want to watch Rebels, but it's like, oh, once you continue some of this, like in a, again, I know the comics are always doing stuff with that. They're doing stuff with the books. I look at Captain Fast; they had, they had a tie-in book for her when it came to the Last Jedi. They're always kind of oh. like trying to tie things into one another. But getting back to the point of this is with Palpatine. So when you're looking at the scene, when Palpatine has his little fire tentacles, mm-hmm. when they're kind of traversing the pathways, when his blue fire tentacles go across them, they're melting the astral plane. 
Yes. And they're also following those bridges as well. I thought that was really interesting that this fire didn't just consume the space. Like there's that one shot where Ezra and uh, Ahsoka are running and they take a fork because one of them goes to their portal. The other goes to their respective portal and the blue fire forks as well. And I thought that was really interesting. It's not like the cloud got bigger. Like you said, they're, they're his tentacles almost like he's reaching out with them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thing, though, is that we know from a bunch of stuff, again, this, from chapter 35 of Empire's End, which will be next week's episode, hopefully, and then we have things like the line of dialogue for Venge of the Sith with hit with Palpatine and Anakin, where it's like, He had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. He could actually save people from death. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. So it's like, okay, this is they're going to make this Palpatine Star Wars saga long arc. Mm-hmm. And so my, so this is kind of the question though. Is that, are they not going to... So when Palpatine shows up in The Rise of Skywalker... Is it going to be that, oh, he brought himself back to life with insert Star Wars gibberish here, or is it going to be Palpatine never died to begin with, and he transported himself to this very specific moment in time, that time being the rise of Skywalker? So I'm glad you asked this question. This is exactly something I wanted to get at. And to frame it, I want to remind everybody of one of the ideas I had on the Ben Affleck birthdays episode when we were doing Justice League, I think that's where it was, where I basically pitched to Zach that there's going to be kind of some scene or some event in The Rise of Skywalker that would happen, as I described in that episode, on the plane of the Force. Like, all the good Force ghosts would be holding back Palpatine because he has a way to go from the plane of the Force back to the real world. This, This space, this astral plane is exactly what I was thinking of. And so I have to say that I'm more in line with the second thing that you said, that he never really died. He kind of had this failsafe to transport him into this astral plane so that he can return at a specific time, which will, of course, be the rise of Skywalker in that time period. I think like this was one of the things I was most excited about because, of course, when I pitched the plane of the Force idea, I had never seen Rebels. I never knew that this event took place in Rebels. But this is exactly kind of what I was getting at. There's something that connects all of time and all worlds, this ethereal existence, and that's what Palpatine's going to use to traverse back into the modern day, or Star Wars, modern era. And that's what I have a feeling. I'm not going to say for certain yet, like, okay, this is my my theory. I'm betting all my chips on it. But I have a feeling that's what they're going to do because that would also allow them to bring Palpatine back to look the exact way he does in Return of the Jedi. That's the other thing I was thinking. Yep, they wouldn't need some placeholder, any possession ideas. It's just, you know, good old iconography that everybody's familiar with and everybody can latch on to. Yeah, and and that just seems like, oh, 
But the only thing, though, is how do they... Ex- like, Rebels does a pretty good job of explaining the astral plane in 20 minutes or so. And they don't even really explain it for the most part. It's just kind of there, and you're either on board with it or you're not on board with it. Mm-hmm. How do they explain that to the filthy casuals in the audience? Because if you're J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Abrams, I think it's fair to say, and you're the expert here, so please disagree with me. I don't take him as a intellectual filmmaker. He's not, he, I don't think he is going to explain it if it is in the film. If he does, it's going to be, we're going to explain it in two sentences, three if we're lucky. I agree with you there for sure. Um, I'm kind of seeing it in, uh, I'm not, maybe not two ways. I'm kind of, you know, convincing myself. Uh, it's going to be of like a, um, uh, to bring it back to Endgame, he's going to Ant Man it. Okay. Some character is going to show up and in like 20 seconds of dialogue go, I was in this really weird place and only five minutes passed, but 60 years passed, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, of course, it's not going to be like, I, I can't imagine like an Ezra Bridger would show up because, you know, I've never heard of him until watching this stuff or Rebels. I could definitely see it as we get a, we get a force ghost. We get a force ghost who's kind of, you know, uh, notable. Maybe, you know, like uh, an Obi-Wan Force ghost or a Luke Force ghost, since that would fit with The uh, Last Jedi, who basically says that stuff. Like, there is this astral plane that Force ghosts reside on, and whenever you see a Force ghost, it's us talking to you through this portal or something like that. And it's very, very quickly just going to be like, yeah, everybody buys that, right? We have a connection to everything ever, okay? You're used to it by now. Movies being disconnected are lame at this point, you know? All right, I'm glad you brought that up because this is where I want to tie this into Mortis. And we're not going to explain Mortis in the same level of detail that we explained the Rebels episode because we'd be here for three hours trying to explain that. I do I do want to mention, at, right before we get into Mortis, I found Mortis, that use of that name, very interesting because, of course, it's Latin for death. And, you know, when we talk about Mortis and it's like the gods of Mortis and Mortis, 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 the altar of Mortis, the dagger of Mortis. And I'm like, okay, we get it. It means death, you know. But then once they hit me over the head with it so many times, I was kind of like, wait, you know. And what you said, too, at the beginning of this episode, Zach, is the Mortis gods are very important. They're very philosophical and they're kind of the the religion aspect to some extent of the Star Wars universe of the Force. Mortis meaning death. This trailer for episode nine with Luke going, no one's ever really gone, which is basically saying no one's ever really dead. I was like, that's that's almost too on the nose, it seems. That's what I'm getting at, though. And going back to the point you said about the idea of the force plane and people explaining it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, well, I, well I, that's why, again, for the record, folks, peek behind the curtain. Originally, I just gave Rob the two episodes of Rebels and then like. At the 11th hour, I'm like, Rob, here's an hour more of Star Wars philosophical nonsense. You need to watch all the Mortis episodes because this is what (laughs) it was great. Zach and I are in different time zones. So I got a text from him at like 730 a.m. this morning. I was just waking up. I was in that stupor where I'm like, I got to make sure all my fingers and toes are here. I didn't get too drunk or anything. And I get a text from Zach and he's like. We can start recording later, but will you watch another hour of Star Wars? <laughs> and I was like, this is the weirdest thing to wake up to. <laughs> this is the weirdest good morning text I've ever seen. <laughs> good morning, beautiful. Can you watch an hour of Star Wars today? <laughs> the most philosophical Star Wars that you will not understand unless you really have a firm grasp of this universe. Yeah. And then, but you know, I made a Carly Beth joke and, and then I watched it. And so now here we are. <laughs> Is that, does that give me a, a fair play to throw in the... I guess that episode's not out. Well, it might be. Wait. No, that episode come out in a few days. Folks, if you like Goosebumps, if you like Carly Beth, check out next week's episode of Cinematis. You won't Carly be bored. Beth. 
<laughs> my name is Carly Beth. Carly Beth. <laughs> Carly Beth. Going to the point though is that, like you're saying, that we're going to have a Force Ghost character explain to yes. one of our characters what's going on with the astral plane. If that is going to happen, and based on what we saw, and this is why I had to have Rob watch this. I knew this exact moment was in the first Mortis episode of the three. There's a moment where Anakin is controlling both the daughter and the son. And I go, oh, God, Anakin's good. Again, I know that's the big rumor with the Rise of Skywalker is that Hayden Christensen will finally show up, despite the fact he's been rumored to be in every single one of these movies. Sure. I know that I know there's a rumor at one point that he was going to be Darth Vader in Rogue One. Now that, there, that didn't really get passed around that much, but that was there at one point is a rumor. Mm-hmm. Um, but if any time it makes sense to pull him out of retirement, it would be now. And I could very well see a scene in this. And again, I don't think I can't imagine J.J. Abrams watching any of this, whether it be Rebels or Clone Wars. And again, Rob, correct me if I'm wrong. I think J.J. is a narcissist beyond belief. I think he he knows what he, or what he thinks is what he feels is best for everybody. No one's going to tell him how to make his projects. I I would he, agree. Yep. Okay. And I don't think I don't think he feels he has to pull influence from anybody else's work. It's his work that matters. And um, yeah, I mean, so I think we discussed it and. Last time we discussed J.J. Abrams, but, you know, that's good old, that's what Lost was. Like, Lost gained popularity, and the third season came around, and, you know, Lindelof and Cruz were like, these are our ideas, J.J. Abrams, and he was like, I'm famous now. No! <laughs> and and that's, you know, that kind of got reset when the writer's strike happened in season four, but that that's a big story I've always heard in Lost, where he was like, I hate all your ideas for season three. We need to focus on the stuff nobody wants us to focus on. And that's what happened and why everybody hated season three. See, folks, Rob is an expert on Lost. Like, he is a, like, even though he's the J.J. Abrams expert, like, he is, he's the professor on Lost. Like, you do not argue with Rob on Lost. That is his arena. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, when, when, uh, uh, I guess I was about to ask Zach when we were going to start the Lost podcast, but he's going to say <laughs> never. So any listeners, anybody who wants to go through Lost one episode at a time with me, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> Lost minute. You delve into every single minute of Lost. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be good for like the later seasons when there's all that weird like clockwork orange stuff where they're prying people's eyes open and making them watch a bunch of flashes. We could do that and really see what the flashes are. There you go. See, folks, he has it all figured out. All you gotta do is just show up once a week to record. <laughs> once a day, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so I think what's going to happen in The Rise of Skywalker, and again, this is a speculation, I'm not 100% married to it, is that I could see it as Anakin's gonna show up as the father in the context of Mortis, and mm-hmm. Ray is the daughter, and Kylo Ren is the son. And I don't mean that as in like their brother and sister, but I see that as Ray is the light side of the force and Kylo Ren is the dark side of the force. Oh my God. And- I think that makes so much sense. I'm imagining it as, you know, we're not going to get really heavy into the lore of the Mortis gods, but we would see something like a painting or imagery of the three characters you just described, like we do in these Rebels episodes. I don't even think we'll get that far with them. I think oh, it's. Okay. I think what's going to happen, and I'm still convinced of this, there's going to be a scene in this, and based on some of the rumors and leaks that are out there, they're genuinely starting to terrify me because they're starting to feel like Colin Madman Trevorrow ideas, is that there's there's something about the end of this film and this is a rumor who knows and, and for the record folks these i remember like i've said now for months now that like i don't like putting that much faith in the rumors yeah because it's like oh like 
who knows? The film's always changing. But exactly. now, now being three months, by the time this comes out, less than like three months away from the premiere of the film, if you don't want to hear anything about this movie, rumor spoiler-wise, just keep skipping ahead 15, 30 seconds until we're no longer talking about it. Or just stop now. Because I don't want, at this point, like, even I'm now starting to not look at the Star Wars Reddit leaks page as much as I once did, because I don't want to know, because I do think we're getting closer and closer to things being the way they'll actually show up in the final film. Sure. Because there is a rumor going around that, like, the final battle of the film, and this, and I'm not talking about the space battle, is that it's going to be Rey and Kylo Ren and Force Ghost Luke and Leia versus Palpatine. All four of them back to back? To back? To back? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, it sounds horrible. Like, it sounds like, it's, you read this, you're like, oh, good lord. It's like they're yeah. not really that stupid to do that. Like I like it's one thing having Luke show up because I know there are those Return of the Jedi leftover ideas that Lucas yeah. had of Lu- of um Obi-Wan showing up to the confrontation at the end of Jedi. And I'm like, oh, I could see Luke showing up. And I could st- I still, I swear to God, folks, they're gonna have that moment where the Ray goes and pulls the lightsaber and it flies past her and Luke picks it up as a force ghost. That's going to happen. That has to happen because it's gonna it's gonna be one of those freaking guffaw moments. They have to I was, have that. I was about to ask, do you think it's gonna be like a frame for frame recreation of Captain America getting <laughs> Mjolnir in Endgame? Like it's gonna be the same angles and everything, you know? <laughs> that's like that's the thing I'm terrified of. And, you know, and, it's not gonna be- and then Ray's gonna go, I knew it. <laughs> that, you laugh. I like, laugh because the, I'm depressed. I'm with I you. I know, <laughs> but that's the sort of thing that terrifies me, though. And but again, I, I've said that a few times now, so I don't want to harp on that much longer. Yeah, but I, I, I did actually want to something you said in there. I think this whole train of thought. Also, I wanted to mention again with something I said in the last time you and I were on here discussing the rise of Skywalker. Portals. People love portals. Portals are easy to explain. Nobody has problems with them. This astral plane is just portals. It fits perfectly for everything that we're saying, that it's so easy for J.J. Abrams or any big studio director or producers or anything to grab onto and go, yep, this flows. We can explain it in two minutes, not lose momentum, done. Yeah. Because I could, because going back to the point was that I could see something with Anakin. I do think we're going to get the Force Ghost Parade in this. I -hmm. think we're going to walk out, because I know there's even rumors too that there's a Han Solo like Force Ghost. Like that's that rumor keeps showing up, and it's like it, it makes no sense. Don't you have to be a force user? It, but that's the thing, though, is that like nostalgia, like oh crap, we killed off Harrison Ford, yet Harrison, but yet Carrie Fisher, because their whole plan was, and I can't blame them for this. The first film was going to be Harrison Ford's film, second one was going to be Mark Hamill's, and third mm-hmm. was going to be Carrie Fisher's. Yeah. Carrie Fisher passes away untimely, and it's like oh crap. We killed off our two surviving characters. How are we going to bring them back into this? Oh man, this just this sounds so corny, but I could totally be see like you know non-force people get a force ghost, and there's that line of dialogue where it's like they were connected to the force, or they were loved by force users, so they the force accepts them in the afterlife, and it's oh oh I'm I'm That's- gagging right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, and don't get me wrong; they can't explain it away. Like, it wouldn't. But if they bring back Han Solo as a Force Ghost, that would not bother me. 
And when I say Force Ghost, I'm just using that as that's the accepted term that in Star yeah. Wars lore. Mm-hmm. Is that because the how the scene goes down is that there's going to be a scene where Kylo Ren is conflicted because still one of the major rumors of this film is that he's going to turn to help the good guys because Palpatine's going to take everything away from him or he's betrayed by Palpatine or by the Knights of Ren against anyone's guess still. And there's going to be a scene where he's conflicted and Luke Skywalker comes to him in a vision or a force ghost and Han Solo's there and says, Ben, it's okay. And it's going to be brief. It's not going to be anything yeah. long. It's going to yeah. be c- concise. We're talking about probably like 10, 20 seconds tops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, no. It's like, it's like, please, no. It's like we don't need the characters coming back to, like, again, spoon feed the audience. And But the problem, though, is that you're, you're J.J. Abrams. You only speak in one language, and that's nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And what better thing will get another <laughs> than seeing Harrison Ford come back? Absolutely, like a hundred percent. And you know, I'm even thinking now, just as like an errant thought, where you know, we when we see we're we're doing all this talk about Palpatine and Palpatine coming back, and of course, he's the super big baddie. He has to have some uh, fail safes and hands in his different uh, roots based on what happens. But I mean, it's kind of similar where at the end of Return of the Jedi, Vader throws Palpatine over the ledge and he falls into the energy shaft or whatever, and that's exactly what we see from. Han Solo too, like Kylo stabs him and he falls down into some deep, big pit of abyss. And mm-hmm. and what we were saying before with this astral plane and the whole kind of thing where it's like, you know, time is linear. This was always destined to happen. You just didn't see it until it actually happened in this astral plane. That's, I could totally see J.J. Abrams just grappling on to that idea. And it's like, oh, someone opened a portal and Harrison Ford fell into it. And now he's a force ghost because he's in this realm. Or Palpatine did the same thing. Because that's exactly what happens, once again, in Lost. Because, you know, they they leave the island. They have to go back to the island. Half the people end up in the 70s. Half the people end up in modern day. And it's like, oh, we can't change anything. This has always been our history. Like Jack and Kate and Sawyer and, and Juliet were always the people to cause the incident. They could never change it. So I, I think that's easy to explain. People will buy it now. Uh, we've had enough t- like stupid time travel and stuff like that in movies and TV shows that people will just be like, yeah, whatever. And I could totally see them doing something like that. Like, no one's ever really gone. As long as J.K. <laughs> Abrams and studios have a pen, no one's dead. And we said that in our Endgame conversation as well. Tony Stark's never going to die. Harrison Ford, Han Solo will never die. There will always be remnants of that character, whether on screen or not. And we're going to get them forever. Okay, I do want to still get back to the Palpatine thing, though, but this is my question, though. And this goes sure. into some of the, the rumors about this film. Is that, and I know it's been a big joke on Knights of Vader, less, less, less extend on cinematis, is that when you, like, Avengers Endgame, I think it's fair to say a crowd pleaser, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. And, like, Zenger and I have pointed out, and Rob and I have discussed it here and there, is that you put even, like, an ounce of scrutiny to that film, it falls apart. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're going to do to the Rise of Skywalker? Where it's going to be like, we need need grand spectacle, but we have to have an intricate plot because for some reason, the last film needs to be seven hours long. It needs to be a web of just stuff happening, despite the fact it really isn't that necessary. I, unfortunately, I, I think so. I think that's, you know, 
crowd pleasers are clearly what people want these days, I, or maybe just by default for the word crowd pleaser. But it, it's it's almost like it's easy. It's the route that makes the most sense. If you're trying to get a huge return on your movie, on your franchise, do something like that. I, I, I can't see, you know, them going for something really ambitious and having a major drop-off. I think we've talked about it. Zach and I have discussed it before, that no matter what happens, there's going to be people that hate it, people that love it, and the middle ground. But I don't think they're going to try and risk everything or so much that they would grow that bank of hatred, especially after The Last Jedi. Once again, Zach would know more about the studio dealings and how they took a response to Last Jedi from the critics after the fact, after it made an insanely you know, ungodly amount of money. But I, I think it's almost like just what we should expect at this day and age. Like the last few Marvel movies built us up to exactly this. Everything has to be spectacle. Everything has to be like, whoa, look what I'm seeing. And I think that's exactly where Star Wars is going to go. And they're going to try and do it in a not so clever way. It's going to be something that we've all seen before, unfortunately. Like I'm thinking of The Last Jedi. I'm thinking of that scene where well, Laura Dern does the light speed ram into the other ship. And it's like, Looking back at that now, I still only ever seen The Last Jedi once, and when I saw it and that scene happened in the theaters, people actually laughed out loud. And I, uh, thinking back, I'm like, that was actually pretty neat. Like, that was a clever thing for them to do. Like, I've never thought of that in Star Wars or space travel before. I don't think they're going to go that route. They're going to go the, oh, this is easy. We can have one big ship shoot a big laser into another ship, but a portal opens and stops the laser and directs it to another big ship, and it's like, <laughs> it's great. That's what people want to see, but it's not intriguing in the long run. Like, that's what I'm saying in The Last Jedi, even though I didn't really like it, that movie still stands out to me, and even though I've only ever seen it once. But I don't remember The Force Awakens at all. I barely remember, you know like uh, some of Rogue One, because a lot of that is just battles where it's kind of like, come on, get to the ending type of thing. So I think it's easy. I think it's expected. And I think when those two things come together for a movie studio, it's almost like what they have to do. I'm reserving judgment. Like I go into every Star Wars movie now as I close my eyes and go, please be good, please be good, please be good, as the <laughs> Lucasfilm uh, title card shows up. And it's like, it's just the idea though is that I don't know if they're defensive after The Last Jedi. or We know they're defensive because of Solo. We know mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they feel burned by Solo. And like anything in Hollywood, they always learn the wrong lessons. And it's like, are they going to take the criticism to heart? Yeah. And that's the problem, though, is that in all the rumors, and there's even one rumor from, it's it's shown up twice now from... Again, with any sort of these rumors, folks, I put the word credible in quotation marks to so take it with <laughs> yeah. a grain of salt, is that there is a scene in the, in the Rise of Skywalker. And Rob, you tell me if this makes sense to you. That's why you're here, too. You're not just you weren't just for Star Wars animated content as punishment for the Adventure Time stuff. <laughs> it is it is to get a Star Wars normie's perspective on this is that in like I've always prophesized, apparently there's a scene in this where Kylo Ren and Rey are fighting. Rey kind of I don't know whether it's it happens on screen or it's something that's happens internally with her. Sure. She feels that she's crossed the line and she's afraid that there's too much darkness in her. So she retreats 
back to Octo, the island from The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and she she goes there to basically do what Luke Skywalker did. She's like, you know what? I'm too dangerous. Having me here is going to make problems worse, not better. And she throws the lightsaber away. And okay. on this in this scene, that happens. And apparently, this is this. Apparently, people now are changing the meaning of the Luke Skywalker lightsaber coming to him. Apparently, what happens is she throws the lightsaber away and is sulking. And he comes to her as a force ghost holding the lightsaber and has a moment explaining to her why he was wrong for everything he did in The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. It's kind of the the undoing of yes. what so many people had problems with from The Last Jedi. Uh, ne- gotcha. Never mind the ending of The Last Jedi admits that e- that's part of Luke's arc in that film is him realizing that how he behaved was wrong. Again, yeah. All the idiots out there that complain about that film still haven't picked up on that. But the thing is that, again, this is the J.J. Abrams studio way of doing things. We have yes. to make it small, little. It's like the baby food going into the baby's mouth. Here comes the airplane. Here we go. And that's what we have to do. We have to spoon feed the children in the audience, both literally and figuratively. They say, it's okay. It's okay. The bad man is gone. It's like, here's your Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And, and that's and that now has shown up now in a couple of places that I believe to be credible. And it's one of those things where if that's there's a couple of scenes in this movie that if they happen, if it happens, I will legit walk. There's three things. There's three things in this movie <laughs> that will make me walk out of the theater. And they all have to happen. It's three strikes and you're out. That oh, being, oh, okay. It's not like at least one of them happened. No, no, no. I'll, oh, I'll the, okay, okay. I'll give the film the benefit of the, benefit of the doubt. Because I thought you were going to say something like sudden bout of diarrhea. Because that would well, definitely make me leave the theater. <laughs> well, there's always that. But I can't blame the movie for <laughs> You're that. Like, if, if they mess up Luke, if they mess up Leia, and I get diarrhea. <laughs> well, I do want to mention one thing. This is about a bit of a tangent. Is that uh, if you're big in this Knights of Vader Facebook group, Chris, who's always there, Chris P. Um, I got to meet him a couple of weeks ago. Had a lovely chat with him about Star Wars. And he gifted me part of the Star Wars stuff he collects. A Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith video game air sickness bag. Really? Yes. Oh my, that sounds awesome. Yes, it does. He let me pick from three items he collected that weekend, and I had to choose that one because of how eccentric it was. Choose I- wisely, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and as you soon as have I- chosen incorrectly. <laughs> Once I picked it, though, I heard the voice in my head said, "You have chosen." wisely <laughs> because i am going to bring that with me to the rise of skywalker and just and just carry it around me no matter where i go say see folks just in case i'm That's prepared fantastic. that is absolutely fantastic <laughs> and the thing about those that there's three things i already mentioned the one if luke apologizes for the last jedi that will be one strike yep there's a second strike in there that i don't remember but i know i have it though but the final one and this, and I hinted at it last week, and if you're really clever, you knew I was hinting at because I inserted a clip from another movie, which is the exact same thing, is that the rumor for the final moment of this film, the final scenes of all the Star Wars saga until 10 years from now when we get episode 10, is Ray for some reason, is on the Lars homestead from the end, from, from episode four and episode okay. two, and technically episode three. And Ray is there, and she's like, for some reason, she's there. It's never explained why she's there in any of these rumors, but she's there. 
And a woman comes up to her and like, I don't know, it's, it's very my, Monty Python-esque. This feels like a random like woman just shows up <laughs> like, oh, so what are you doing here? Yeah. And, and Ray has a small, like, small talk about her with something. And the woman goes, oh, I never got your name, miss. What's your name? And she turns around and goes, Ray. Ray Skywalker. As the music swells, bum, 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 bum. And then cut to the bum, 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 bum of the credits. Wait, who it, is she talking to on some, the on the some, some random woman on Tatooine. Some just it's a pass. Some random oh, passerby. Okay. Because I was about to be like, like, will anyone on Tatooine know the Skywalkers anymore? Well, exactly. But that's not. But as I saw, I read this. The first thought that came through my mind was, oh. So we're ripping off the end of Titanic. Yeah. Because yes. if, if you remember Titanic, folks, and I'll, I'll insert the clip in here again. Can I tell you name, please, love? Dawson. Rose Dawson. Thank you. They actually end the film with that. That like that that's one of those moments that if they're that stupid. See, I don't mean I'm not using that word lightly, folks, mm-hmm. but if they're that dumb to do something like that where it's just like, oh, she's carrying on the name of the Skywalkers. And again, I don't mind Ray taking the name. I'm not bothered with the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like everything that I have problems with in Star Wars. I'm bothered by the execution of it. Sure. And if they actually have that. Where it's just some random passerby or woman, and there's no never mind too, there's no reason why Ray needs to be on Tatooine. There's no reason for her to be there. There's nothing yeah. of its significance on Tatooine other than it's the equivalent of foregoing, I knew it after Captain yeah. America picks up the hammer. It has no purpose other than fan service. Yeah, I don't like it either, but I can I can almost see it and oh, hear yeah. it in my head perfectly, where you know the camera shows someone and they're in like a cloak and their face is uh, tilted downward so you can't see it it comes up it's ray she says i'm ray skywalker and then it's just credits roll and it's just oh i i can feel it almost i'm with I know. you <laughs> i know it's one of those things where it's like you read it and like kind of like you feel that pit in your stomach and it's like oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're that there and that's the problem though any other filmmaker you'd be like mm, maybe not but like, oh God, it's JJ, and JJ loves his schmaltz. Mm-hmm. He's worse than he 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 learned all the worst lessons from. He's learned the worst lessons from Spielberg. That's the problem. It's like, okay, let's just have schmaltz everywhere. Let's yep. coat everything in schmaltz. It's it's like no, like you can't sugarcoat everything. Like not and again. I there's some stuff too. I know some people are hung up. I know the big thing in the Star Wars fandom as of now, who knows where it'll be a week from now, is that whether Kylo Ren should be redeemed. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I, I I mean, like, I, I mean, I don't have a stake in that decision. If they want to kill him, great. If they don't want to kill him, that's fine too. Um, I can't yeah. see them. I can't see them killing him off, especially after how they're going to base an entire ride at Disney World and Disneyland around him. Oh, I, sure. I, I, I can't see them killing him off. That'd be a really bad. That's not in their nature <laughs> to kill off the character that will be the focus of the like half a billion dollar attraction they just yeah been building for the last two years. Exactly. Um. But no, because some of these rumors, and again, folks, I promise we'll get back to the Palpatine stuff, because some of these rumors just don't make sense. Because you know, I'll send Rob the link, you know, and he, I'll let him kind of like look through it as I read some of it to you. Because like, there's some stuff at one point where they're on a desert planet that's not Tatooine, 
And there's something about Ray encounters a giant like worm and she force lightnings the worm. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell does any of this have to do with what the movies are going toward? And it's just like, not that it's bad decisions. Like again, like Ray force lightning a worm. I have no problem with that. It's, it's fine. It's a, it's a thing that happens, but why is this happening in the last movie? Like, okay. Ray now has force lightning powers. Yeah, I wouldn't have it's expected like, that. Yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, why not? Why is there a space worm? Like, why? Like when you think of a worm in a desert, the first thing that comes to mind is Dune. That's Dune. Yeah. The spice it, must flow. Yeah. <laughs> Where are my feelings? <laughs> you took it right out of my mouth. I was just about to say that. The best line from Dune, yes. <laughs> the best line from any movie. Uh, because yeah, because there's just and, and you look at some of these rumors because there's even one rumor that another reason why I want Rob to watch the Mortis trilogy is that there's at one point there's the Mortis dagger. Yes, and in the rumors for the Rise of Skywalker, apparently something something happens and the characters come across a Sith dagger. Ooh, and it's like okay, since when do physical knives become prevalent in Star Wars? Where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. And it's like okay whatever who cares If anything it'll probably be a backdoor tie Into the old Republic movies they're going to make someday And apparently On the Sith dagger there are Sith Inscriptions that nobody knows How to read even C-3PO And he know has over how many Forms of communication in his memory Yep. So they're forced to take st- All the characters have to go to the snow planet Where somebody there knows How to do something to C-3PO To make him Interpret this language And apparently this sequence is from the new trailer Where his eyes glow red There's some mode they put see, They put him into Sith mode And he can read Sith inscription <laughs> my, my droid wasn't set to Sith <laughs> Essentially And as I'm looking at this I'm going oh In the Mortis trilogy we have the dagger And then If you remember from what I said earlier in this When Palpatine is like conjuring Up his spell he's yep. Speaking in alien language Yeah Which yeah. if we had to guess If that if there's Sith inscriptions Which would lead one to believe There's probably a Sith language Is what he's saying in the World Between Worlds episode Yep So it's like okay Is all this stuff connected If it was any other Filmmaker involved with this I'd be like sure but it's J.J. Abrams And I cannot fathom J.J. sitting there Watching this stuff Yeah I'm, I'm with you If anything I think you know He has a special section of the production team Interns that he's making Watch this stuff and take like the Most lax notes Like just the broad strokes What can he take from it type of thing I'm with you though I don't think he would care about the specifics of like Palpatine hand recoiling after it gets cut from inside this astral plane. It's going to be more of like, oh, that happened once? Done. We have a setting for this act of the movie. Do you think he will? He could pull inspiration from this stuff? I, de- I definitely think he could. Um, but I'm with you in the fact that if, if anything, it's going to be uh, just, like I said, the broad strokes, the vague inspiration, not the specifics. You okay. know, kind of like what we've we've said a few times for good old annihilation it's like the guy read the book and he was like i didn't really like it but here's my movie that's completely different just kind of vaguely founded in the story of the book i could definitely see something like that coming from jj okay 
Because in preparation for this discussion and kind of more coincidental timing was that Disney Movie Rewards was having a, like a fire sale. Because I guess they're, they're doing it. Anybody's Disney Movie Rewards members, you'll know. They are like getting rid, of, getting rid of a bunch of like their physical items. You can redeem like Blu-rays, DVDs, posters. Oh. And one of the things that they had that I kind of had my eye on but I never wanted to spend actual money for was the Force Awakens 3D Blu-ray. You know, I have the Force Awakens on Blu-ray. JJ's commentary and a handful of bonus features were exclusive to this 3D set. Okay. So I ordered it. It came yesterday. I watched The Force Awakens with his commentary. And there's a couple of like interesting things I picked up trying to figure out how JJ works. Because I have every I have most of the Star Wars creatives. I have a nice idea of how, how they think, but mm-hmm. JJ's kind of like this enigma other than just I don't want to say enigma. It's just everything's nostalgia. Like when in doubt, plug in the nostalgia. Yep. And one of the big things I realized that in his commentary, which wasn't that enlightening, it wasn't a very good commentary. One thing that really ticked me off is that the film ends or the film ends, but you still have credits. It ends at around like nine minutes and eight seconds. And he ends the commentary there. (laughs) And I'm like, you have, you have nine minutes to talk to the audience. Like you really couldn't give up nine more minutes of your time to talk to the audience. I'm like, what kind of jerk are you? It's like, it's nine (laughs) minutes. It's still the movie. Exactly. It's like, but again, yeah, I, I do not like JJ as a, uh, like I said, I've never met the man, never talked to him, no, but just the vibe I get from him and how he just conducts himself, I'm not a big fan of him. But the thing I, I was found very interesting, though, is that throughout the commentary, he'll say things like, oh, I showed a very early scene, I'm sorry, a very early iteration of this scene to a filmmaker friend of mine. Like, he named Rock Spielberg. Uh, Ava DuVarnay, just to name a couple. And sure. he's like, oh, I showed them this and they recommended this change that I did. Ooh. And I wonder, is J- again, first thing, it's very interesting that JJ's a narcissist, but at the same time, though, he every time he says someone suggested something to him, he says he took their advice on it. Because at one point he goes in the duel between Kylo Ren and Rey at the end of The Force Awakens, he goes, oh, during the sequence, Steven Spielberg said, oh, wouldn't it be really cool if trees were falling down during their fight? And he goes, oh, how was I going to do this? So I went to the special effects person and said, how can we do this like after the fact? And they're like, well, how many che- how many zeros are in the check? Exactly. And, he goes, and, that's, and that's essentially what it was. And he's like, well, and then we did it. And I'm like, so wait. That was something that you felt you needed in the scene was trees falling down? Like, like not to say, again, it's Steven Spielberg. If Steven Spielberg says jump, the question's always going to be how high. <laughs> sure. But it's like that. It's like, oh, so that's a scene that you felt compelled to, like, tweak? It's like, yeah, that oh. is strange. I've never heard that about J.J. Abrams, but I've also never really looked into his uh, stuff on a grand scale that he's directed and been a part of, which I consider Star Wars to be a part of. Yeah, and this goes into the part now with, and I think there's one thing that he said, like this commentary, folks. Again, I didn't pay for this Blu-ray; it was points; it didn't cost me anything. But there's something that he says in this commentary numerous times that think I think explains his thought process, and it explains how Lucasfilm conducted film shoots going forward. Okay. If you have the Force Awakens 3D Blu-ray, I if you've not already listened to the audio commentary with him, I advise you do. Because at numerous times in this, he says the phrase, and I'm not joking, he must say it at least a dozen times, if not more. He goes, Oh, this scene wasn't working, so we reshot it. 
Okay. And he doesn't say that just once. He says that pretty much every scene between Daisy Ridley and John Boyega was reshot. <laughs> wow. Was it just him on the commentary or just did he have him. any? Nobody else. No producers. Jeez. Nobody. Just him the whole time. Okay. And I was shocked at that. He goes, and even it's not just that, because every time they're on screen, he goes, Oh, when they meet for the first time in the Jakku Nima outpost, we had to reshoot this scene because the 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 energy between them was too negative. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, Oh, when they're in the Maz's Cantina with Han Solo, we had to reshoot that scene. He goes, We had to reshoot that scene twice, not just because the fact that we changed the dynamic between Ray and Finn. He goes, all the Maz Kanata scenes were not working, and we were constantly changing everything about the Maz Kanata character. Jeez. And I remember, if anybody remembers their Force Awakens rumor mill from the summer and fall of 2015, Lapita Nyong'o said, I don't think anyone's going to see my character until the film debuts. Oh. And then... If you and people disregarded this rumor, and that's why I gotta tell people don't disregard rumors just because they don't come from making Star Wars. Do not, even though I say be skeptical of everything, I, I believe that be skeptical yet keep your ear to the ground because there's a lot of rumors out there that even though they sound false, there might be a kernel of truth in them. Because I think it was the sun, I th- the sun, which I think it, it might be the sun or some other. British tabloid magazine, kind of a rag in other words. Sure. Had a story that said the Star Wars production for episode seven was having a really hard time with Lupita Nyongo's character. And this is before we knew her name. And if you listen to the JJ Abrams commentary, he says, we could not figure out that character for the longest time. Wow. And I think that. What, to tie it to the, the Rise of Skywalker And I think with a lot of these rumors Because I've been talking to John Justice Friend of the show, host of My Nerd World By his latest book, Embark 2, Treasure in Darkness And there's been a lot of discussion Between him and I being like None of these rumors are making sense And John mm-hmm. being the, uh, the perpetual optimist That he is, he's like, I trust them all And I'm like, none of this makes sense, though. And I don't mean that, like, in a sense where I dislike J.J. Abrams. It just, it doesn't make sense. Like, a lot of these rumors feel like they're scattershot. They're just, they're all over the place. None of it makes sense. So, where I'm pretty good at connecting the rumors and the dots together, this is, like, all over the place when it comes to The Rise of Skywalker. And then, when I was listening to The Force Awakens commentary last night, it dawned on me. If J.J. is constantly changing things, and he said that in a couple places, he said it in interviews, that he's always tinkering with his movies until like the 11th hour. Yep. There's a very real possibility of that the rumors that we're getting for The Rise of Skywalker are just different drafts and iterations of the production process. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, that it's, you know, it's just what we're hearing is just what was the... The topic of the day on set, you know, what were they reshooting and how are they going to change it? And, you know, we're not really getting true rumors of what the movie's about. We're getting just snapshots in the production process. We're getting out of context glimpses at the production. Yes. And, and people are trying to connect those dots on their own end. And then when it gets just the game of telephone where it just keeps going from person to person, you lose a piece of that. You lose more and more of just the conciseness of what the of the original intel was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. And the thing I have to say with that, too, is that if you know your Force Awakens rumors, is that the rumor for the longest time, and I want to say it was the rumor up until the premiere in December, was that the film was going to open up with Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, the blue one, tumbling through space. That was always the opening. Okay. 
And in the commentary, J.J. makes a comment saying at the very beginning of the film that we always had the idea of the film beginning with the he says for the longest time the film was going to begin with the lightsaber the the eh, the skywalker lightsaber tumbling through space but we never filmed it okay which leads you to believe that when you hear all these rumors from people on the internet they're not seeing footage they're seeing text on a piece of paper yeah and text on a piece of paper could have been typed yesterday or it could have been typed years ago. Yep, and people who read it can interpret it in many different ways based on their own state of mind. And, you know, I, I just recently, as someone, we got an, uh, me and a bandmate got an email from somebody, and he was like, this email seemed a little snarky, like they're angry at us. And I was like, no, this is a stupid waste of time. We are not going to try and interpret someone's emotions through text because it's not going to work. Like, we can't say, oh, they're happy with us, they're mad at us, unless they tell us explicitly. And that's what I feel you're saying with these leaks, you know. People read it, they might think it means a certain thing, that's the rumor they start spinning, but it does have that function applied to it of it's text on a page being taken to this grander scale and putting imagery in people's heads, and that's different for everyone, and it's a dangerous game to play. That's what I'm thinking, because I think a lot of these rumors don't make any sense, and not that they don't make sense, but they don't make sense in the grand scheme of things. They don't make sense yeah. in the big picture. Story. They make sense like on an individual basis, but they don't make sense when you connect them all together. And I'm thinking that's what it is what JJ's doing. I think that people are looking at what he's doing at the very specific moment. He's changing things probably by the minute. And those changes don't come back to whoever's leaking this information. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. And that's the, that's the thing I'm getting from him is that, and that's why I am, like I said, that's why I'm good. I am, I've stopped looking at the Star Wars Reddit leaks page. Um, I, I don't want to know any more leaks. I think from the top, from the, unless something changes, really the only other piece of Rise of Skywalker that I'm going to consume for certain is going to be the second trailer that debuts sometime in the next few weeks. Because I really, again, I do want to go into this blind. Because let's say J.J. does have an ace up his sleeve. And I do. Mm -hmm. Like, based on what I've seen, I am excited for this film. The Dark Ray thing, the more and more I look at it, it looks stupid. I can't help but laugh at that. <laughs> okay. Because it looks dumb. But it's it's the notion of, I think J.J. has a, I don't know if it's unique to him. But it's it's a creative process I don't see a lot of in Hollywood. Or at least it's not one that's publicly known. And I think that's why there's so much more static when it comes to this. Because we didn't get any leaks or really credible rumors for The Last Jedi. And as we all know, J.J.'s the ultra-secretive one. He's the one who has the, yeah. the fetish for keeping everything in the mystery box. Yet Last Jedi did a better job at that than The Force Awakens did. <laughs> and, and based on what we know now, or what we think we know, The Rise of Skywalker. Sure. Um, but yeah, though, because that's the thing, too. Is that you look at these rumors, and again, tie this all back to Palpy, is that there's no explanation for Palpatine's return in any of this. Mm -hmm. Yep. The best that any of these rumors kind of do is they say something along the lines of very early in the first, not early, sometime in the first act, Kylo Ren finds the Emperor. That early? Something like that. I think oh, it's, wow. Okay. Because this is what the rumors say. It says, early on in the film, we catch up with Kylo Ren. He is slaughtering people with the purpose of tracking down one of the film's MacGuffins, a device known as the Wayfinder. And they, the Wayfinder now has changed into a holocron, or at least that's the rumor. It's a holocron. 
Okay. Holocron, and for Rob, who might not know, Holocron store information. There's sure. Jedi, there's Jedi Holocrons and there's Sith Holocrons. It's not said if it's one or the other. It says Kylo obtains the Wayfinder from the Oracle and finds it contains coordinates to, to a point in the unknown regions. He finds out that this device once belonged to Darth Vader. Using the coordinates with, from this device, Kylo arrives in the unknown regions where he encounters Palpatine. Palpatine is still alive, and how he ended up in the unknown regions is still a mystery that I hope to learn more about in a few months. And apparently, in the note from this, from the poster of this Reddit leak, it says, Daisy Ridley said in an interview that it's explained in the film. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> So it would be crazy if Daisy Ridley was like, "Oh, nobody knows." <laughs> well, I think it's too. Sad. Think about it. if you're Daisy Ridley or John Boyega or Oscar Isaac, you go to set and you're just constantly filming things. You don't know yeah. what he's going to use. True, true. And that's why I mean, these actors look at this stuff. And they're like, "Well, I have no." I think that's probably a tactic JJ does too. So none of the cast and crew leak anything. If you film a bunch of stuff that you're not going to use, you've created a smoke screen. Exactly, and I okay. think that's another. Again, I don't think as much as as much as a narcissist JJ is. I don't think he's stupid. I think he's a very intelligent man. And clearly, through his rise to fame and fortune, he he knows how to sit there maneuver. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just another tactic of his. But it's interesting that in all these rumors and leaks, nobody knows how Palpatine's going to come back. And then even prior to the trailer revealing that Palpatine was coming back. It's interesting that nobody even hinted that he was coming back. Okay. Like all of our official leakers, they never hinted at this. Again, in the days and weeks afterwards, they all said, oh, I knew it. I just couldn't say anything. Uh, well, okay. yeah. Hindsight's what? always twenty twenty, right? Well, yeah. It's, it's very easy to always say after the giant reveal that you knew it all along, couldn't say anything. Uh, absolutely. Yep. And to this day, nobody's talking about it. Is that in the Rise of Skywalker, we have the Sith Troopers, the the all red clad stormtroopers, and they are the when it comes to the Rise of Skywalker, they are the poster child of the marketing so far. They're the only yeah. official piece of this film, besides like a trailer and a half that we have that mm-hmm. Lucasfilm has given us. Yet in not one of these spoiler leaks breakdowns are they factored into any of this. Oh, interesting. So the one confirmed part of this film that we know is there, no one has figured out how they, they fit into any of it. Gotcha. Yeah, the, the the more you're telling me about this kind of aspect of the leaks and the rumors, whatever we're calling them, it definitely kind of lends credence to that idea you said, like the smokescreen or the different stages of production, that that's what we're getting leaks of. And we really won't know until we get you know much closer, and of course, when it releases. Mm-hmm. But again, to bring this back to Palpatine and the whole, the Mortis, the world between worlds, is that another rumor for the Rise of Skywalker is that at some point in the film, Kylo Ren is killed trying to protect Rey or defeat the Emperor. And then through some, the rumors all over the place. Some people mm-hmm. say Rey brings him back to life. Other people say the Force Ghosts bring him back to life. Others say just him being a good guy brings him back to life. Kylo Ren comes back to life. Okay. And if you begin, Rob, you've just watched the Mortis trilogy. What happens to Ahsoka in the Mortis trilogy? Oh, her um, uh, the the father transfers life force from one Force user into Ahsoka, and she is reborn. And if you keep in mind that there is this story also, and it's kind of unconfirmed, but it's always been kind of 
debated in Star Wars is that the end of Revenge of the Sith, Natalie Portman, Princess Leia, oh God, oh my Lord, Padme has lost the will. You lose track after a while, folks. You know, all these characters. Sure. <laughs> Padme has lost the will to live. And everybody laughed. They said, look how stupid Lucas couldn't write dialogue. He's so dumb. Hashtag not my Star Wars. And yet the theory has persisted that, oh, why would Padme die all of a sudden? Unless Palpatine was siphoning her life, so- life force uh-huh. away to keep Darth Vader Anakin alive. Yeah, and then, sure. And then the moment Palpatine is dispersed in Jedi, he dies, Vader. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. Who's to say that maybe something happens in the Rise of Skywalker... Where again, like I said earlier, Anakin is the father, is in the in the context of the Mortis trilogy. Kylo Ren is the son, Rey is the daughter, and they take the life essence of Palpatine and transfer it into Kylo Ren to bring him back to life. Sure. And that's how they defeat Palpatine. They Kylo Ren has turned to the light. He sacrifices himself to protect Rey. And in the process, Anakin, and think about it, can you imagine this scene too Much like how we said the por- portals are the big thing Much like uh, the line from The Graduate they got Plastics The future is plastics yeah. the, fu- <laughs> the future is portals Who's to say that in the final battle Of the Rise of Skywalker You have Kylo Ren, Rey, Force Ghost Whoever, Luke Leia, Ponda Baba's arm Force Ghost, Sail Barge <laughs> And they're all there and the final person that comes out, it's Force Ghost Anakin, and with him being the chosen one, says, Palpatine, I'm fine. Again, folks, I'm not going to be eloquent in this. I'm going to show you who's boss. I've become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And he yep. literally sucks the life out of Palpatine and transfers it to his grandson. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it almost makes too much sense. <laughs> it seems like, again... I, as I rewatch The Force Awakens, and over time, I've, my, my disdain for that film has cooled, but I can't help but watch that film and say, oh, if I was given episode seven, and yes, J.J. had like an insane amount of pressure on him, not just directing episode seven, but from what Disney was doing to him and to what the corporate structure mm-hmm. was doing to him. Again, I don't blame him for making that film or, or the specific film that we got because who knows what Disney did to him. Sure. But – it's the idea of this is the ending of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Again, for now. They all, yeah, they, yeah. For now. It's to say that in parenthetical. In all the trailers, it says the, the final chapter of the Star Wars saga. And then like in size, like point zero zero two font, it should say for now. <laughs> and yet there has to be a grandiose nature to this. Because in the last week, I rewatched Avengers Endgame for the first time since the Avengers Endgame experiment. Okay. And I have to say, without the context of just like kind of going into that movie, gritting our teeth and just the 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 mobs of idiots that just can't wait <laughs> to consume more product. Sure. I, I kind of for the first time watched that movie with just being like, okay, I'm gonna watch a movie. I'm watching it in my own home. There's none of this weight of it being the great the greatest thing to ever exist in the history of mankind. Yeah. And I have to say, for the conclusion to the 85 films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It does a pretty good job of wrapping up. I think you even said it in our discussion. It does a pretty good job of giving some level of closure to these films. Yeah, it's the closest thing we'll ever get to an end of the Marvel Universe. And that's why it was more enjoyable to me. Because that was my issue with all the other movies. That there was no end. It was, ha ha, buy another ticket. And that's why I wonder with this, though. is that J.J. has to be looking at the... And not just him. 
the executives have to be point, kind of telling him, yeah. look at, do this. this you, they know there has to billion. be some finale, some, like you said, grandiose scale type of thing going on. And it has to connect to everything. For the same reason yeah. why the kid from Iron Man 3 is in Avengers Endgame, despite the fact that 99.9% .9 of the audience had no idea who that was. Yeah. The idea that, but the only thing I have to say, though, about Anakin, because again, I think Anakin Skywalker has to show up in this. He has. He has to on a narrative level. The mm -hmm. same way that it, it makes perfect sense for the Emperor to be the bad guy of all this. Exactly. I know some people were saying that, oh, they've run out of ideas, they had to dig the Emperor up. And it's like, no. You can't introduce a new bad guy in the final film of Star Wars. You can't do that. And I'm not even talking about it in a Star Wars context. I mean in the narrative screenwriting sense. You can't introduce a new bad guy. Yep. And so if you do bring Anakin back, though, how does J.J. reconcile that with the notion that he's a prequel hater? Oh, he, that's J.J. hates the prequels. Yep. So how is he going to do this? Because think about it. He, again, he's J.J. No one's going to tell him what he can and cannot do other than the executives. And I saw I forget what article was I was reading. I was reading some article. and I think it was it might have been about the Mandalorian. I'm not entirely sure, but it was one of these articles that clearly Lucasfilm vetted and approved. And there was a prequel jab in it. And I'm like, are we still doing this 14 yeah. years later? Are we going to still mock the prequels? I'm like, those films made a ton of money back in the day. They're, the public opinion on them have only appreciated in the last almost, what, 15 to 20 years. Oh, yeah. Are we still going to dunk on the prequels? And it makes you wonder. Is J.J. capable enough as a filmmaker and as a person to be like, okay, I might not like this specific element of Star Wars, but if I'm going to wrap all these films up, I need to include this element. I think he, he definitely believes that, that he needs to include all those elements. And I think, you know, what you were saying before about the scene where Luke apologizes for his behavior in The Last Jedi, I could, if J.J. Abrams would be willing to do that, I could see him be willing to do the same thing for the entirety of the prequel trilogy. Like we get an Anakin force ghost who basically apologizes for becoming <laughs> Darth Vader, apologizes oh, for killing like the Tuscan Raiders. And he, like, you know, and I, I could definitely see him being like, okay, I need this character on a narrative and storytelling level. Cause I agree with you there. You do. If you have the rise of Skywalker, the end of the Palpatine, sorry, the Senate saga, you need Anakin Skywalker. You need Darth Vader. And if he's really trying to undo some of that stuff, then yeah, I think we would have another, it, it's not even going to be, it's going to be like the apology tour of Star Wars, you know? Like Luke Skywalker is going to say, I'm sorry I messed this up, Ray. Almost cursed. <laughs> I, I heard that, yeah. <laughs> and then Anakin's going to say, I'm sorry I messed this up, Luke. And then like burnt corpse Uncle Owen's <laughs> going to be like, I'm sorry I let them burn me, Anakin. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, it's going to be the apology tour and everything's going to get undone and wrapped up with a nice little bow at the end. But how, okay, so how is this going to, okay, that's the weird thing. It's like, there's so much going on in this film. Yeah, that's the other thing where, where it really is kind of, you know, it's, it's almost there's too much on the plate at some times. That's what it feels like. Because like every time, we've done this a few times in Knights of Vader, and every single time the discussion ends with, we've just spent the last hour to 90 minutes on this specific element. Or, God, one very specific form of, like, conjecture.
Yeah. And then you realize, well, where does Lando fit into any of this? Where do the where do the, the movie? <laughs> where do the Knights of Ren fit into any of this? Where do where does Leia fit into any of this? How does this wrap up the arc of the resistance versus the first order? Mm-hmm. How does this bring peace and, and prosperity to the galaxy? That's the big question here is that like we're so focused on one element and not just us, but the fandom. Like, and there's like I told you, there was one part of the fandom this week that's super obsessed with Kylo Ren's redemption. And you have that element too. How are you going to reconcile Kylo Ren's thing in all this? How are you going to reconcile Luke's thing in this? How are they gonna wrap up yeah. Carrie Fisher's element in this? <laughs> yeah. And you have and you have all these elements. This floating out in the ether You have the Sith troopers You have confirmed the Sith armada Somewhere in the unknown regions And then keep in mind too that we have the resistance That was, think about it, the entire resistance Could fit in the Millennium Falcon at the time Of The Last Jedi mm-hmm. Didn't it, isn't there some line at the end of The Last Jedi Or I might be misremembering where it was But where someone, something's like we need to reach out to the remnants in the uh, on, in the outer region or something. I don't. Something well, like yeah, that. Le- Leia has, and that's and that's in the ancillary media too. Leia oh, does okay. have Leia does have spies and contacts in the unknown regions. Yeah, I, I, imagine- I don't even know if you mentioned the Knights of Ren. You've been telling me a lot about them as well, playing a role in this movie. That's another thing. The, the room, the rumor mill, much like the Sith troopers, do not mention. They hardly mention the Knights of Ren. Okay. And I think what's going to happen to the Knights of Ren is that either the Knights of Ren are going to turn immediately on Kylo Ren, and their big action sequence is going to be uh, Palpatine, I don't know, whatever it's going to be, Kylo Ren's going to go to Palpatine with the Knights of Ren, and they're all going to turn on Kylo Ren, and he's going to have his, and he's going to kick his ass, I'm sorry, they're going to kick his ass. And he's going to be forced to go to the resistance with his tail between his legs and say, guys, I know you don't like me. But we have an even bigger problem on our hands. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And that's again because we don't know where all this fits in. Because we also have uh, Richard E. Grant's character, a Legion General Pride. We oh. have Dom Hall Gleason's character. Like, there's so oh, he's much. He's still alive. <laughs> he's still alive. They still haven't killed Jeez. him yet. Yeah, I don't. I think we have said it before. I do not like him as an actor at all in anything he's ever been in. I like him as General Hawks. Like, I, I love him in the Last Jedi. Like, I, I fell in love with that character. In The Last Jedi, where he walks in, sees a, a bisected uh, Lord Emperor Snoke, sees Kylo Ren pass down the floor, and oh. slowly goes for his gun to shoot him. And as soon as Kylo Ren wakes up, he puts the gun back into the host. Oh, like, I, it, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that, that was an interesting scene, yeah? That is the might be the best scene in any Star Wars film from the perspective of the bad guys. Because it's like, oh, if this guy shoots Kylo Ren, it would be the, like, it's the most... Oh god, for any bad guy in any Star Wars film, it's the the best idea they could ever have. Like, okay, I can I can solve most of my problems all at once. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean, though, is that you look at all these plot threads, just from the characters that we've been introduced to, then you have stuff from The Last Jedi that has to, I don't want to say, be resolved. But you have things, too, that are, are people in the First Order going to find out that Kylo Ren killed Snoke? Because oh, yeah. in The Last Jedi He tells uh, General Hux The girl killed Snoke Okay And it's like oh Okay <laughs> like, that's Yeah a pretty, that's a that's the a bad guy's perspective idea. That's a big idea That's a big notion Yeah and you're right I think that's where you know I have more I think everybody but me in particular Without this kind of you know Not encyclopedic but as grand scale 
that's where I have the trouble with all these things coming together that I have no idea about. Because you're right. That's a great point that we should remember. We kind of focus on these certain rumors and certain possible ideas that this movie could go in. But it's like, wait, none of this really exists in a vacuum. None of these events kind of exist on their own. Everything else is going to play some role into it as well. And it's a, yeah, I I think it's, I've said it before on here. I'm interested just to see what happens, you know? I'm not, I'm not really, you know, it, it could be good, it could be bad, I'm going to live my life no matter what. But all of this talk, it's still kind of like, wow, this is, a, this is a big puzzle that they're trying to put the pieces together to without the artwork on the box. Like, nobody knows how to put this puzzle together. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it does kind of fall into place. Yeah, because you look at this film and like, and we we discussed it a few months ago, being like, "Oh, what can we learn about Episode Nine from Return of the Jedi?" Mm-hmm. There's a reason why in Return of the Jedi there aren't a lot of new characters introduced. Okay, because the more elements you introduce in the quote-unquote last film, it creates more things you have to let run their course and then resolve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're, the, you're essentially third, making more work for yourself. Exactly. The third movie should be, you know, denouement, final climax. Don't introduce new stuff. Just build it up as you need to from what everybody knows. Have the final confrontation and then tie up all those loose ends, maybe leaving one or two open because it's a franchise, of course. But yeah, I'm with you. There's no point in introducing a new big bad guy because it's always kind of going to be seen as undercooked. But that's the problem, though. So you look at the rise of Skywalker and what we know now, and who knows how JJ's going to use all this stuff. It's anyone's guess as of now. But it's like, okay, we have the Knights of Ren. You don't need a Knights of Ren in this movie. You don't. They, mm-hmm. they, were, they were set dressing for one scene that was meant to be very, very ambiguous and, and mysterious. You don't need them. That's when you have to ignore the fans and be like, well, you, you don't need them. They're not, they're not important. Yeah. It's like the it's like the Clone Wars in Episode Four. That's not important now. That's not the story that we need to be telling. If you want to go back and have a Knights of Ren like comic book or TV show, fine. But you, they're yeah. not important now. But yet they're being shoehorned into this. You have Daft Punk Zam Wessel. Why do we need another bounty hunter character? Make it Maz Kanata. Exactly. And it's like what you, you use your pre-established elements for mm-hmm. every sake. Yep. And that's what you have to do. Cause it's like, even though yes, Lando has to come back. You can't make episode, you can't do a sequel trilogy without Lando. So you have to and he's someone fun to bring. You can pull him back in fine. But it's like, then why do you need all this other stuff that's in there? Why do you need Sith troopers? Why do you need just make it that Palpatine has an army? Just make yeah. it like, okay, Palpatine comes back and Kylo Ren goes, haha, Palpatine, you have all these ships, but who's going to pilot them? And then guess what? The Storm, the Force Order Stormtroopers switch allegiance because you know what? They're Stormtroopers. They're always <laughs> going to follow the Emperor. You don't need to introduce a whole new sect of the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I mean, though. So, like, it seems like they're making more work for themselves. And then, and that's kind of like, and to tie this all together... I think we're coming to the end of this conversation unless Rob wants to highlight anything specific from the episodes that he watched. And, I, and I've been harassing everybody on social media, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, the Knights of Vader Facebook group, is the reforged Kylo Ren helmet. Yes. That reforged helmet was one of the first images in the teaser trailer. It's the face of all the merchandise for this film. Yet we've not seen it in one piece of footage, and it mm-hmm. plays no factor in any of the rumors and leaks. Yeah, yeah. And you look at that, and you go, bring back the helmet, which was 
the cornerstone of the marketing for The Force Awakens. It's very deliberately destroyed in the second film. Mm-hmm. And then you're bringing it back in the third film. And you're yeah, like, okay. Yeah, I think we've discussed this on previous episodes. I know you have without me on Knights of Vader. Um, but, like, what's the importance? Is that helmet a conduit? Is that what you're getting at type of thing? Like, not that, what a- I'm, I'm not even talking specifically to Star oh, okay. Wars. I'm talking about just in an abstract sense of using it as a, using your analogy of this being a puzzle without having the cover to look at as a basis. Yes. That helmet, I see it as a corner piece. Ah. That helmet, that helmet is a litmus test for this movie as as a whole. Much yeah. like how Palpatine is another corner piece for this movie as a whole. Because one thing, and I, I and this is kind of a very oh god implicit thing that I was trying to do with this episode, and what we what I want to do, what what I think differentiates Knights of Vader from the other. 1,138 Star Wars podcasts out there that kind of like suckle at the teeth of official marketing. And that's not a dig. That's just, that's fine. People can do whatever they want. Yeah. More power to them. Yeah, is but, that, but there are, there are 1,138. I like that reference. There. Yes. Yes, there are. <laughs> um, there's also, I, I could also have gone with, there's a what, 3,280 podcasts out there. Oh, okay. Aren't I clever folks? I'm sorry. 3,720. Oh, okay. Okay. I was you off my me. Yeah, I know. I'm so stupid. I have the poster right in front of me that says it, and I couldn't look up and do it until after I said it. I'm such a novice, folks. If you haven't already unsubscribed from all the stuff in the beginning, you should have unsubscribed from that. (laughs) Um, But no, the point what we're trying to do here on Knights of Vader is that I you can look at the Star Wars Reddit Sleeks page, have a pre a very concrete preconceived notion going into the film, and then when that version doesn't happen, come out and get mad because you feel you've been cheated and lied to. Yeah, yeah, that's not what I want. Again, that's one thing I want everybody to kind of take to heart when you listen to Knights of Vader is that don't go into anything, don't take anything you hear from us or from any other sources as gospel. We're all making it up as we go along, and that includes J.J. Abrams. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because what we're doing here is that you can look to the Star Wars Reddit leaks page and take it as gospel. Or you can do something what we're trying to do here. And what I, what we're doing now, and what next week's episode's going to be, and it's what Rob and I did with the Return of the Jedi episode, what John Justice and I did with the Force Awakens episode, is that the best clues to figuring out what they're going to do with these movies is typically in pre-existing media. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like yes, the Mortis trilogy was probably written and animated sometime in like 2008 or nine. In 2008 or 9, nobody even had the faintest idea of what episode 9 was going to look like. Yeah, definitely. But as we've said, and I got through, I, and, I, and for when I was watching the Rebels episodes and, and some other stuff, I went back and I watched those all those episodes of Rebels, the two of them, and the finale. I watched them through normally, then I went back and re-watched them with Cowboy Hat Man's commentary. Oh, okay. And Cowboy Hat Man says a couple of things in his commentary, and I recorded it off my TV very archaically. So I'll insert the audio here, but because I can't insert audio in real time, I'm going to read them to Rob, and then we'll react to them. You have to lay these things in slowly to prime the viewer that this is going to happen. This character will appear. That is in regards to Ahsoka coming back. Okay. And like I've said with Palpatine, and we'll get into it more next week, is that Palpatine's return has been foreshadowed as early as February of 2017 with Chapter 35 of Empire's End. Okay. And clearly Palpatine returning was foreshadowed, or Palpatine looking, because at one point in this, when 
Palpatine is talking to Ma- Malcolm McDowell in the episode. I mean, I have the exact quote here. When Palpatine's talking to the god Malcolm McDowell's character, he says, "We must seize the power within, a conduit between the living and the dead." We have reached the roots of the temple and found some fascinating work. The symbols and iconography are reminiscent of a report I discovered in the Jedi archives. The Mortis Gods. Yes, they are key to unlocking the temple. I am sure of it. There has been a great disturbance in the Force. The death of Kanan Jarrus has altered the fate of Lothal, though how, I cannot say. Perhaps access to the temple will provide some clarity, my lord. We must seize the power within, a conduit between the living and the dead. Proceed, Minister Hyden. Oh, okay, okay. And keep that in mind with everything else we've already laid out about that episode. Yeah, yeah. And and about the rise of Skywalker. This episode premiered, I want to say, either February or March of 2018. Mm-hmm. This was right in the throes of the last Je- last Jedi ruined my childhood, ro- ruined Johnson, raped my childhood. Okay. And you look at this, and you have it explicitly said by Palpatine. We must seize the power within a conduit between the living and the dead. Ah, uh, yeah. It's yeah. it's right it's right there. So this whole narrative, this whole BS narrative that Lucasfilm has been making it up as they go along is thrown out the window because mm-hmm. with anime again, Rob being the uh, animation expert that he is as well, he knows these things take years in advance to do. Oh yeah, definitely. And and to have a line of dialogue that specific. Means they were playing this out probably sometime in 2016, right mm-hmm. after The Force Awakens comes out. I would have to believe so, you know, especially with Star Wars, with something that's such a huge franchise, even if it's not getting filmed, if it's not, you know, anywhere near a tangential product yet, these people are always thinking about what to do with the story, what's going to fit, what's going to upend what they've already done. So, yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, there is some let's fly by the seat of our pants. What fits where? How do we, you know, fix certain holes? But overall, you know, it's not like everything's just out of nowhere. It's not like, oh, what do we do last time? Let's do it again. You know, there's actual thought put into this stuff. You know, it's not like that high school project where it's like, well, we met once when we got the project and it's due tomorrow. What do we do? There's time given to these things. Yeah, and because there's another quote he says in this, he goes, uh, Dave Filoni in the commentary says, to enter this world of gateways, of possibilities, what could that mean powerfully for good and evil? It's better when it's something you don't expect. And the ability to enter into this world of gateways, this world of possibilities and what that could mean powerfully for good or evil. Again, so it's better when it's not something you expect. It's the whole idea that these characters, both good and bad, can traverse this space that's all powerful. But what does it mean at the end of the day? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And who I, knows? Like I, you said, I, I it could dig be. It, yeah, yeah. Like, and we kind of said that earlier on, though. But it's like, okay, you've opened up this world where the four. It's kind of like a living passageway or a living prism for the yeah, force. Exactly. Yeah. Now I'm just. I, all these ideas are running through my head about like what points in Star Wars could they revisit 
with one of these portals and kind of undo something else. You know, there's it. I, I don't, I'm not saying I think that's going to be a big part of the movie. Maybe they'll do this once or something, like use this portal because it's such a such a grand scale idea. But you know, just the fan fictions are running through my head, like. Somebody opened up a portal in the Sarlacc pit and saved Boba Fett before he got eaten. You know, somebody opened a portal and saved that Ewok that gets blown up in Return of the Jedi and stuff like that. And it's like, that's that's such a, a, a fix-all, a cure-all. It's the uh, word processor of the gods of the Star Wars universe. If you can go to any major event in history and impact it in some way. And that's what kind of my concern was with that Rebel, that episode back a year and a half ago. But I don't think, again, I, I, I hope they're clever enough that they wouldn't abuse that sort of plot device. But it goes back, and I don't want to harp on this too long, but it's like it goes back to the Avengers Endgame thing where that becomes the entire narrative. Yeah, I don't know if Star Wars would do that. I think because, like we've already been saying, that Star Wars is something that's maybe not immensely, but definitely noticeably disjointed from the movies to the TV shows in terms of the fan base. Yes, I know there's people like the true Knights of Vader that watch it all, but like I said at the start, I've only seen the movies, I haven't seen the TV shows. I'm sure that you know there's a good blend of all those different types of fans where they're not going to want to go overboard and be like, oh, you, you know this thing from this few episodes of a TV show that you never watched? We're going to go hard on it now. I definitely see episode 9 being the... The common, the layman, as you or the uh, the normie, as I think you call me on about Star Wars. This movie is how they introduce the concept of this of these portals of this world between worlds, this astral plane. They use it once in the context of the movie, like it's a big part of the finale, and then they go, okay, it's established. What can we do with it now? And maybe it's a further movie down the line where this realm plays more of a role, and people are actually using it as a middle ground. Maybe it's a video game later on where you play as a character who has to go back to different points in Star Wars and do missions in them. And it's like, oh, now I'm on Endor. Oh, I got to go back to the main area, go through the portal. It becomes an open world RPG like The Witcher or Skyrim or something like that. I could totally see them doing something like that, using these movies as a platform to, you know, not only take what Star Wars has done already and expand it to a new audience, but give that fuel to the fire for the fans going forward. Two things. First, the ending of the Star Wars Battlefront 2 campaign has a sequence, not like you described, but very similar to that. And it's interesting, we didn't even bring this up, um, but getting back to Battlefront 2, is there's a sequence at the end of that game where you play as Kylo Ren and you're going through someone's memories and you relive all the campaign missions throughout their oh. life. Okay, okay, sure. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't help again. Similar, yeah. Similar. And the second thing is too is that in the, the world between worlds, they have this portal, and I think this is very self-aware on Cowboy Hat Man's part, is that the thing about that the portal is open for one episode and it becomes a very specific, deliberate plot point that has the door has to be shut and then destroyed. Yes. Yes, And I think that will be part of the Palpatine thing to, here too Is that if they do go to the astral plane Which at this point I'd say has maybe what A, a 1% chance, chance of happening I don't think yeah. I, I can't see JJ doing that That's too abstract for him But if they do There has to be something in this that means We have to shut the door on this Yeah ex exactly I, I think when you said it, it made me kind of form the thought That I've been thinking of this whole time But when you said it's too abstract for JJ I definitely agree. I don't think he would go into 
this astral plane and spend time there. You, you know, that was the big thing with the end of Lost. Everybody was like, they were just dead the whole time. And it's like, no, you didn't watch the show if you think they were dead the whole time. But the Flash Sideways is like the afterlife. It's limbo almost. And they have to learn how to move on type of thing. That didn't go over well for him. That didn't go over well for ABC and Lost. <laughs> but I don't think he would ever go that abstract anymore because of that, because of some other things. Like, it didn't, when the later seasons of Alias got a little sci fi and nobody liked that either. But I'm thinking more of he's looking at what's popular in the culture, he's looking at what he wants to do with Star Wars. The middle ground of this is what they did in Game of Thrones, where it's basically like you have people who are just destined to do certain things. And I even said to Zach uh, last week or sometime before we recorded this episode, I was like, is this episode called Wolves and a Door a reference to the Hodor episode of Game of Thrones? And Zach's like, I have no idea. I don't watch Game of Thrones. And I'm like, I know, Zach, you know, I don't either, but I'm aware of these things. And I think that's something more there because I remember like all the, I think I've said this to Zach before, but now to have it recorded on the podcast is great. All of the people that love Game of Thrones are the people that made fun of me for liking medieval fantasy when I was younger, like Final Fantasy and stuff like that. They were like, oh, it's all just nonsense, blah, blah, blah. But that's exactly what Game of Thrones is. It's just enough grounded and just enough magic and sci-fi that everybody loves it. And I think that's where J.J. Abrams would take it more, where it's kind of like things are happening, things are happening. Oh, this crazy event happens with characters and time travel and and time displacement even, how do we explain it? One line of dialogue. The audience doesn't need to understand it. They just need to know what's happening. Just like the end game, Tony Stark invents time travel in a night. It's a push through the doorway to keep the plot moving. And I totally could see that happening, where we have a slight introduction of something that could be sci-fi and abstract, but it's grounded very, very quickly in a intense scene or in a quick uh, exchange of dialogue. It's never going to be the focus of his movie. Mm -hmm. Because there's something you mentioned earlier that kind of ties into all this. And while I'm talking, I want you to type this into the computer right now. Uh -oh. yeah, I want you to type into Google Images art of the rise of Skywalker. You'll, you'll, you'll get one. You'll be like, there'll be the first like 60 things that comes up. It'll be the same image because there's a thing, a rumor going around. This is one of the more prevalent rumors is that there's going to be force flash duels. And I think part of the idea and how it's described sounds horrible, but okay. I think it's only horrible because it's not being explained properly. And I think it's not being explained properly because I think it's a weird concept. It has to be seen, not heard. Or explained okay. through like text. What it is, and if you see what it is, apparently Kylo Ren and Rey have a couple duels in this movie where they're fighting, and the background changes to important locales in the Star Wars saga. Yeah, they, you've you've mentioned this to me. I think when we did our Justice League episode. Yeah, yes. I know what you mean. Yep. Yes, and apparently it'll be they'll be fighting. And it's the fact that you mentioned the video game thing, and this is why it feels like a video game more than something you do in a movie. So, yep. but apparently, according to the rumors and the speculation, is we see them in the last trailer fighting on the wreckage of the Death Star, and apparently when they're fighting because they're just so interconnected with the Force, the background changes to again. I'm just making this up the the energy generating palace on the bow mm, then it'll change mm -hmm. to the hallway on the Death Star where Vader and Obi-Wan fought then it'll change to Mustafar then it'll change to the to the cloud city and apparently that happens at least once if not a couple of times in this movie and I'm like 
that's what it feels like too. That like, is this going to be an ex- maybe not the astral plane as seen in Rebels, but maybe this will be an extension of that, where uh-huh. they're connected. They they are so again. I'm making this up, folks. Or I'm, this is my own wording for it. Kylo Ren and Ray are just so force strong that when they clash. It teleports them or just it opens up this world and that's how they're doing it because one of the latest rumors is that Palpatine, wait for it, wants Kylo Ren to be the emperor and wants Rey to be the empress of his new kingdom or his new empire. Oh, so kind of like to harp back on, you know, when at the end of Return of the Jedi, when uh, the Emperor was like, Luke, you're going to strike down your father and be my new successor apprentice. It's kind of that same idea where he's trying to recruit our hero for his evil intentions. I, I don't know that much because I can okay. do is go off of what I've read. Sure, I don't know sure. how specific, though. But it's the idea like Palpatine would still be in charge, but Rey and Kylo Ren would both be his force powerful underlings. Very similar to, to the Mortis, where you oh. have the father and the son and the daughter. Yes. Okay, trying to recreate that's, that balance, that structure. That's, that's what it is. That's the fact that, like, but it's 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 the darkness. The whole point of the Mortis trilogy, or not the whole point, but one of the things that you can I pull from it on a personal level is that the father is meant to be the balance. Mm-hmm. The daughter is pure again. How they they do a pretty good job of explaining it for a kids show cartoon is that the daughter is supposed to be again the light side, but in the yep. sense of that she's creation. Whereas the sun is the dark side and he's destruction and, and not even though the sun goes a little bit, oh God, uh, over the top sometimes he's supposed to be destruction in a very dispassionate, non-malevolent way. Yep. Yeah. And that ties into what Luke Skywalker was telling Ray in the last Jedi, where he tells her, like when he, he has her on top of the rock and he says like, reach out and see what you feel. Reach out with your The island. Life. Death and decay. That feeds new life. Warmth. Cold. Peace. Violence. And between it all. Balance. And energy. And inside you. Inside me. That same force. And this is the lesson. That force does not belong to the Jedi. To say that if the Jedi die, the light dies is vanity. Can you feel that? The light and the dark. Even though they're opposing sides, neither one is good or bad. Yeah, it's the same way that like you have creation, yet you have destruction. Not all creation is positive because you can have cancer cells. Creation is not always positive. Yet mm-hmm. you can have a like a oh good lord like a hurricane, which is destruction, but it's non malevolent destruction. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You and don't I, know how you don't know how good things can be until you felt the bad. Absolutely. And I think that's going to be the theme of the Rise of Skywalker, or at least that's I hope it's the theme in the sense <laughs> of I hope it does have a theme. Like not they say like if I don't get that I'm going to be mad. It's the idea that I want the. I think that's my biggest complaint is that I look at the Force Awakens, and the Force Awakens. And doesn't really have that much depth to it because there's in JJ's commentary for it, when he's talking about the scene where Kylo Ren kills Han Solo, Mm -hmm. he goes, Oh, I've seen it. There's a lot of debate amongst fans that this is just a fake out to get Han Solo to come closer to him. And he goes, no, he goes, Kylo Ren is conflicted up until the moment when the sun disappears, which to this day, I think is one of the most brilliant sequences in all of Star Wars is that think about it. You figuratively, the sun is extinguished. Oh, when the sun, the sun goes down when the, when the sun, not that it goes down, but the sun is extinguished. When Kylo Ren basically loses his family ties. Yeah. Well, yeah, because what happens is that the star killer base literally extinguishes the sun and at that moment the light the light disappears from the scene and at that moment not just the father dies but the son that we all that han solo knew dies at that exact same moment yeah all the light in him is extinguished at that moment yeah that's great great stuff i remember that scene that those shots are awesome and it was one of the only parts of the movie where i was like okay this is something i can latch on to this isn't just repetitive star wars Yes, it's fantastic visual storytelling, and it's on par with like the beginning, I think, again, to myself, the beginning of A New Hope, where you have the small little blockade runner, and you have the gigantic Star Destroyer, and it tells you everything you need to know about the universe in about 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. It's that level of visual storytelling, and it has depth to it. The problem, though, is that The Force Awakens maybe has like one or two of those moments tops. Yeah. Where The Last Jedi, as much as people hate it, that's all it is, is depth. It's true, true, absolutely. And I, I'm not saying that The Last Jedi is 100% a heady movie. It's not. But relative to The Force Awakens, it is much more, it's a deeper film than The Force Awakens. And I think even the most ardent hater of The Last Jedi would concede that, that there's a lot more going on below the surface of The Last Jedi than The Force Awakens. I would, I would definitely agree. Having uh, seen The Last Jedi <laughs> once and Force Awakens twice, even though I dislike both of them, I do like The Last Jedi more. And that's the thing, though, is that I, The Last Jedi, and that's why I love The Last Jedi as much as I do, is that it does have that depth. There's always layers to it to, to pick through. Whereas most, and again, as much as I love Rogue One, Rogue One only has a couple of layers. Mm-hmm. Solo, Solo's the equivalent of a carnival ride. It's, it, it was never designed to have layers. <laughs> yeah, when I, I think I rewatched some of Solo like a month or so ago because someone I was with as a late night movie, wanted to see it, and I was only I only stayed up for like the first twenty five minutes or so, but it I, I was blown away. I was like, I forgot about this giant worm creature that hates the sun at the beginning, you know? And it's like that's bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I know. Solo's fun. Like that's the same. I can't wait for like ten years from now. Everyone realizes, oh wow, we shouldn't have crapped on this movie just because we didn't like the previous one that much. <laughs> can't wait for that. It's gonna happen, folks. Fingers Don't crossed. Get- yeah. <laughs> People are going to appreciate Solo. That's that's an inevitability. It's it's too it's too fun of a film to ignore. Um, 
but no, though, like, again, going back to the Rise of Skywalker Palpatine, is that that's kind of the overall gist of what I'm getting at, is, is that there's, there's enough stuff in the ancillary media, and going back to the final quote, one of the final quotes from uh, Cowboy Hat Man, at the end of the season four, or toward the end of the series finale of Rebels, when Ezra teleports away with the, the Purgle and Thrawn, Cowboy Hat Man says, he's gone. Who knows where? Or okay. when we'll see him again. And then really quickly, he corrects himself. He goes, if we'll see him again. Ah, uh, sure. He goes, I don't know. I might know. It's not important right now. What's important now is what's going on with the rest of the Rebels. Because the scene kept going on with the Rebels gang. He's gone. Who knows where or when we will see him again. If we will see him again. You know, I don't know. I might know, but I, you know, it's not important right now. What's important is that these guys have to snap to it because okay. it makes you wonder: Could Ezra Bridger show up in the Rise of Skywalker? I, I don't see. Maybe Luke's uh, age. Yes, yeah, he was, born, I, I he was born. I think the day before Luke. I don't see life. why not. I, I think that you know, it's just it's a question of almost uh, how much involvement does he have in the story. Mm-hmm. And who's to say and Again folks I'm spitballing here And that in these rumors it keeps saying That Kylo Ren meets An oracle mm-hmm. Who's to say that's not Ezra sure. I know I, sure. I know There's rumors that the, that the oracle is this weird Sort of like like spider creature That's like leeching off a baby's head oh. um, If that does happen If we do get a giant baby's head With a spider creature leeching like Off of its head I will strike one of the strikes away if JJ ends the film with one of these <laughs> stupid things. If we get a baby, a giant baby with a spider like eating its brain, I will give him credit for that. Doesn't the not not with a baby's head, but don't we have a spider creature that I have an action figure, but but Omar Monk or something yes, like Rob, that? Yes, Rob, the Omar Monk from the Star Wars, the Clone Wars episode. Yes. Well, what I was going to say, isn't it in one scene in the background of Return of the Jedi, which is why yes, I have an action yes, figure? Yes, <laughs> Of course. Like, like any good Star Wars action figure, it had one scene in the background for about yep. half a second. In my no, desire the, to recreate Jabba's palace, I was like, I need that one too. <laughs> yes, the Omar monks are the, the brains in the jar with spider legs. Yeah, yeah. That's what, when you said the spider, like sucking something out of a head, that's what it made me think of. But yeah, definitely no human features on that character. No. Not at all. I think the whole idea is that Ezra could have importance. Mm-hmm. I still say, again, again, Rob, did you listen to the Thrawn Treason episode? I believe I did. Uh, okay. That was uh, a solo you episode, yes, right? Yes, a solo episode, as in only one person ever listened to it, which is Rob. <laughs> I do listen to those, and it's always a little weird because it's like, why am I listening to Zach talk when I can't talk back to him? <laughs> you know, it's it's very strange, but I halfway, did listen to it, yeah. Halfway through that discussion, Rob's like, Zach, shut up, it's my turn to talk, and I just keep talking. It's like, what is And I jerk? go, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the shower right now. <laughs> but it's the idea that, and I know I, I'm really big on this, on this tra- uh, train of thought, is that the Sith Armada is very specifically made up of Class 1 Star Destroyers. Because by the events of, I think, Empire, and I know for certain Jedi, those are Class 2 Star Destroyers. Okay. Thrawn and Ezra go into the Unknown Regions with the, the Purgle. Again, Rob doesn't know any of this because he didn't have to watch this part. 
with the Purgle, and it's a Class 1 Star Destroyer. That can't be coincidence. And you combine that with the Chapter 35 of Empire's End, with, with it saying the Emperor only kept Thrawn around for his knowledge of the Unknown Regions. Mm-hmm. And again, Rob didn't see this either, because it's also in the Rebels series finale, is that the Emperor has Thrawn recreate part of the Jedi Temple from Lethal in Thrawn's Star Destroyer. So Ezra can access the access the portal again. Oh, okay. And I can't help but feel all this is connected. Like all these things are there because you have Class One Star Destroyer, you have Emperor keeping Thrawn around because of his knowledge of the unknown regions. The cl- the Armada of Class One Star Destroyers are in the unknown regions, and you have in all this the Emperor using Ezra to open up a portal to Im- to to immortal life. Or eternal life. This I, can't all yeah. be coincidental. I yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, and, and I, I feel like this is something I've been ignoring, you know, maybe not consciously, but is some of this stuff things that they can set up in the crawl? Because that's something I feel like I haven't even been thinking about. We we've gotten that before. And what like episode two and episode three aren't the crawls basically like, here's what you've missed, deal with it. And th- could they do something like that with episode nine, where the where the title crawl isn't just the war problems, 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 fighting, 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 light side, dark side, where it's actually some of the like a sentence or two thrown in about the the setup that they need to do to make all this tie together. In a perfect world, yes. In a J.J. Abrams directed film, Magic Eight Ball says Outlook not so good. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, I, that just popped in my head. I, I haven't been thinking about the crawl in the slightest. I don't know. The problem, though, is that, like, you look at a lot of this stuff, and that's why, like, it is exciting that Cowboy Hat Man is so heavenly involved with, like, the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and, like, the new... Because, again, the Mandalorian... It's funny. I think we are... And I've been saying this for a while. I think we are in a transition point when it comes to Star Wars. I think for certain now we can say that because the Rise of Skywalker is a, a very specific end to how Star Wars is being made or how it was being made for the last few years. Definitely. And the Mandalorian is the new age of how Star Wars will be made mm-hmm. or produced. I think I think we're we are in a transit we are very specifically in a transition point right now. And I think that's what we're trending to because that's kind of I don't want to say the shame of all this, but let's say there is all this groundwork being laid of all these things being kind of like just connected together even loosely and then JJ comes in says it's not mine and throws it out the window. Yeah, yeah. Which he, which he has mm-hmm. a tendency to do. If it's not Definitely. mine, I don't... Again, I'm JJ. I know best. And then you also wonder, too, and again, Rob and I being the... Uh, how would you describe it, Rob? Sar- I don't want to say sarcastic, but kind of like ironic super fans of Colin Madman Trevorrow. <laughs> sure, yeah. I think <laughs> I've described it before as saying... He's a train wreck I can't look away from. (laughs) Is that how much of these rumors, and never mind even a scarier thought, how much of these ideas has J.J. carried forward? Yeah, that's a good question. Because there's been rumors that the Sith Troopers originated with Colin Madman Trevorrow. Oh, okay, okay. Because it sounds like a Colin Trevorrow idea to have Force Ghost Luke and Leia fight the Emperor. That sounds like an idea of his. It's like, we're, we're going to bring back the Tyrannosaurus Rex to fight the Indominus Rex. It's going to have but, a Force Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but but Colin Madman and Trevorrow, like the T-Rex from that like movie would be like 20 years old now. Like It'd be dead. In the previous film, they said these things only had like a lifespan of like two years. We're yeah. bringing it back. 
Yeah, yeah, he's more the person to be like, you know, I have this idea. Someone says that doesn't make sense in the context of the franchise or the story and the narrative. I don't care. It's a movie. I can do whatever I want. And it's like, I, no, we get that, but we're saying it doesn't make sense in the context of the movie. I don't care. Have Ray get pregnant through, have Kylo get pregnant through <laughs> hand touching. Everybody's getting pregnant through force touching. <laughs> Oh my God, folks! Folks, I want so, okay. Yeah, I'm. We're I'm gonna, with you. I want everybody to take a step back for a second. I want that Colin Madman Trevorrow episode nine script bit. I, I want that more than anything. <laughs> I think we've but, said this like at least five times on both of our podcasts. I, I no, I, I've said it before. I want. I'm never gonna let this point go. That folks, we were this close. This close to having Ray get pregnant through hand touching, which is a plot point stolen from a Futurama episode. Oh, yeah. As much as I hate the idea of J.J. Abrams ripping off Titanic, if you're going to steal, at least steal from the best. I think it's an American dad joke, too. I wouldn't be surprised. With what, Roger? Yeah, I think like Steve's girlfriend, like kisses roger and that's like how his um species reproduces and then like the joke is where the girlfriend's pregnant she has to go to like a clinic or rehab and their parents are sending her away basically yeah, re rehab for pregnancy and um <laughs> and and she says something like i knew holding hands would get me pregnant but i have to leave you now steve and something it's something like that i think that's american dad yeah but it's the whole idea folks that like we came that close to that movie and that's what I want. I want the the craziness in big franchises. You know? I I want craziness in big franchises, but you do not give the end of Star Wars to Colin Madman Trevorrow. True. Like, I think this I is uh this is where the divide between Zach and like I'm more of the Star Wars anarchist, <laughs> where you know if there's like. If there's like a David Lynch opening to Mulholland Drive of silhouettes dancing and loud jazz music for 15 minutes at some point in episode nine, I'm totally on board. <laughs> Rob, did you just compare Colin Madman Trevorrow to David Lynch? Um, I wouldn't say I compared That's them. That's heresy, Rob. I, might, I, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I would say I compared them. I think I just used David Lynch in Star Wars as an example of what I'm hoping for. <laughs> or that, maybe not hoping for, but be happy with. But there's a difference between madness with meaning and oh. just, oh, I'm going to have Bryce Dallas cool. Howard sprint wearing high heels because I could, I, as a director, I couldn't bring myself to say no to her. That's a good point. That, uh, that's a good point. That's there's definitely an important distinction. Yep. Remember, Rob, do we need to go back to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and realize that we had dinosaur auctions? Do we need should we, in, should we insert, insert the entire <laughs> Cinemodities episode right here? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm with you. Yeah, it's definitely craziness on a surface level, like you said, versus craziness with meaning. And I think for Star Wars, I am the, in the anarchist sense that I would love just craziness. But you're, I think what you're, I'm totally on board with what you're saying is where, you know, we were close to it, but it's almost, it was almost a certainty that it had to get reined in type of thing yeah but the thing about those that if you're going to rain star wars in from what we've heard about episode nine this doesn't feel like raining it in at all 
This seems more sure. like we're letting it off the leash and we're going to close our eyes and hope for the best. Yeah, and that you're right. That goes with exactly what I said, where they introduce something to be fuel for the fire for the future. TV shows, movies, video games, blah, 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 blah. You know, whether however many years it be to the next movie, they're going to keep trying to pump out Star Wars merchandising and licensing no matter what. Yes. Not, not, in the words of Luke Skywalker, no one's really ever gone. And that <laughs> includes brands and IPs. <laughs> yep. Yep. Merchandising. The Spaceballs flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you, you know, so... I, I guess a good way to put it is I would love for an episode nine to be like a Gremlins two and like poking fun at the Star Wars franchise, but I know we're never going to get it. And I'm likely going to be neutral on whatever we do get. All right. <laughs> the the last quote I have from Cowboy Hat Man in his commentary, and I think it's only appropriate that after two hour after a two hour long discussion, I take a quote of his that disproves everything that I've been trying to go towards. And okay. he says, again, what we've been doing here with Rebels is separate from the Luke Skywalker saga. It's tangential. Connecting, meaningful, connecting in meaningful ways, furthering the messages that were important to George Lucas. And so I tried to stick to those ideas, things that we had talked about over the years. All went into the, the storytelling of, of Star Wars Rebels to make it its own. You need to prepare. You know, piece of the Star Wars saga. Well, not necessarily the Luke Skywalker family saga. It's it's separate from that, but it's tangentially connected. I think in a meaningful way because it's still I'm attempting to further the messages that were important to George. Okay, uh, he, he clearly does not know what the word tangential means, but go on. <laughs> I think what he means is that. This what was going on with the rebels crew is not connected with Luke Skywalker, yeah, the yeah, Skywalker I mean, saga, but yeah. it's it's but it's it it kind of glances it and that's it. Uh, yeah, I would I would say he's looking more for the idea of it runs parallel to it rather than because tangentially means it meets up at one point. Yes, and that does not that is not the case. I'm assuming, even though I haven't watched all of Rebels. Well, there's there's some stuff with Princess Leia. You could you could you could oh, make sure. the argument for she is in Rebels. Oh, it's more like sequentially, and I'm not saying Jesus. sequentially. I'm saying sequentially. Oh, that's a better Christ. word. <laughs> okay, that's another podcast, folks. Rob explains uh, uh, terms to you. Rob, semantics with Rob. That's 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 the after the show show. Yeah, <laughs> that I got to get back on Knights of Vader for that, and I still have to get back on Knights of Vader. For the droid discussion, which oh, no. you you better be happy, Zach. I didn't bring up any of this. There's no droids nonsense in this earlier. There's no outside of Chopper. There's really no droids in any of these episodes. And I was very happy about that. <laughs> Beep boop trash can. Oh, it's he's the beepest boopest trash can Chopper. Chopper's great. Chopper's in, in Rogue One. Oh really? Yeah. He, very oh, brief, okay. but he's there, and you can you can hear him too. Oh, I can't wait to watch one of my four copies of Rogue One again. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if you ever need a copy of Rogue One, just contact Rob. He'll hook you up. <laughs> yep. So, Zach, was there anything else you wanted to get at Grand Star Wars? I know you mentioned earlier, I think maybe an hour ago, that we were coming to the end of this conversation. Yes. Unless there was anything I wanted to highlight. I do have a few brief things I wanted to highlight. Uh, they won't take too long. Like you said at the start, you know, this wasn't an episode to discuss my thoughts on these five episodes of Star Wars we watched, so I definitely wasn't given trying to give that. 
But there were a few little things that I, I picked up on that I wanted to maybe ask you about, or maybe you could give me a, uh, a little bit of a background for kind of type of thing. Sure. Okay. So in the uh, Rebels episodes, I don't think there was too much. Yeah, I think we attacked all of those. It was more in the, in the um, Mortis trilogy, those three episodes of the Mortis gods. Uh, first question I have for you, is the planet that they're on with the Mortis gods called Mortis? I didn't really, is it unknown planet or is it called I, Mortis? I don't know. There's no answer. The Mortis, like I said, okay. is very ambiguous. It's it's this weird sort of, again, it's like a, um, it's, it's funny. It has a very similar shape to the Sith Temple does in the okay. Rebels season two finale. But I, if it does have a name, I it, I don't know it. So it's not a time of the year, it's a state of mind, is what you're saying. I think it's some, it's like the world between worlds. It exists outside oh. the physical realm. Okay, it, okay. It exists in some capacity, but I think it's well outside. Because again, because in the, the Mortis trilogy, the words, they're never referred to as gods. It's not until rebels that they're referred to as that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I really liked that in the Clone Wars episodes with the Mortis gods. You know, they they so clearly were like, globbing on the idea of religion ancient ones faith gods but they never said any of those words and i was like that's awesome you know that's just kind of what we get culturally but that's not what these really are in the star wars universe at least they're not just blatantly explained yes. as such and that i was i was on board with that okay interesting why is the the daughter, there's a scene where the daughter encounters Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, and Anakin. She's like, are you the chosen one? And they're like, this is the beginning of the episode, so we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and she goes, follow me. And at some point, a big statue falls, and, and it splits them up. Because, you know, we get the whole kid show aspect of, we don't know what this planet is, Anakin. We'll be okay if we don't split up. Oh, something split us up immediately. And... It's Anakin and the daughter in one group. It's Obi-Wan and Ahsoka in the other. And we see the shot of the big statue falling. Anakin, like, pushes the daughter forward. They get on one end of the ravine. And, like, the next scene, he's like, are you okay? And she goes, it is forbidden for you to touch me. I have a boyfriend. And I'm like, what? What is the point of this? Because it never, I was like, is this going to come back? Because she's some, like, godlike figure that shouldn't be, you know, impruned upon by mortals, and it never returns. Is there anything to that lore where she's like, it's forbidden for you to touch me? Because that seems um, so weird to me in that in this episode. For, for the record, even though I know Rod's being hyperbolic, she doesn't say anything about a boyfriend. It's not, I don't think no, it's going it, to be any, it's nothing her, sexual the line, or the line is, yeah, absolutely. I Whenever I think of that, I think, you know, it's, he's like, hey, are you okay? I have a boyfriend. You know, that's the meme these days. <laughs> But she, she literally says, it is forbidden for you to touch me. And it's, it's so much attention is drawn to it that I'm like, this means something. And it never does. Again, I don't know specifically, but my own interpretation of that is, because I was kind of like, that was a little jarring to me too. I, I haven't watched these episodes in a couple of years. And I can only guess that involves the chosen one that maybe through, again, he's supposed to be uh, impartial. Yes. For the fact that he's not supposed to again think about it with any sort of scale or balance, you don't touch oh, either one of them. Ooh. That's how I've always interpreted. That's a really that good line. idea because later in this same episode, balance. Get, if you touch it, you get you the leave. yeah. But I'm thinking also of the scene where the son impersonates Anakin's mother, mm -hmm. and he starts talking about. They, they both start talking about Padme, 
And the the son, disguised as the mother, is like, she's a drain on your power. You don't need that. So, yeah, okay, that makes some more sense where it's like, don't – like, you are this being of, of energy, of force, of power, of authority. Don't get bogged down by mortal mm -hmm. uh, contacts and stuff like that. Yeah, I oh, think so. Okay, okay. Uh, interesting. Right on. Yeah, that line definitely got me with the, don't touch me. I have a boyfriend. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> So the next thing I have to ask in the same episode, um, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka go into a cave to avoid the storms because the, yes. the seasons and the weather changes, you know, like the like the weather in a video game. Like every 20 minutes it changes and it's just random, it seems. Obi-Wan is the first one, I think, because we get a scene where Obi-Wan sees Qui-Gon, Anakin sees his mother, Ahsoka sees herself from the future. But the mother and the future Ahsoka are both like uh, faux versions, like they're they're red herrings yes. almost. They're not those actual things. But Qui Gon's uh, sorry, Obi Wan sees the Force Ghost of Qui Gon Jinn, and when he first appears, Obi Wan jumps up, pulls out his lightsaber, and he's like, "Master, how are you here?" And he's like, "This planet is strong with the Force." Is this the first time Obi-Wan has ever seen Qui-Gon as a Force ghost? Like, he seems so defensive at the beginning of it. And it's also the only character one of our main characters sees and talks to that isn't revealed to be a vision of the son or the daughter. So is was this the first time? Was this kind of, like, I, I don't know. This seems really weird to me that Obi-Wan would be defensive at the start of this contact. Well, okay. The... I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is the first time that Obi-Wan's ever communicated with Qui-Gon okay. after his death. It's happened numerous times since then in the, in the canon. Yeah, and I he, know in, even in the end of what? The Phantom Menace, where Yoda's like, you can still talk to Qui-Gon, your that's, master. That's, and he's that's, like, that's Revenge of the Sith. Oh, the real? Oh, that's, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. uh, now, I, now I really don't know if it's before or after this. <laughs> well, because what happened was, um, I know, like I said, in the canon, that's happened a couple of times in the book, that Obi-Wan's able to talk to Qui-Gon. And the thing, though, about this, and it's an issue of what you want to believe, whether it's, because I know in that, I already played the audio of it, but in that Dave Filoni clip from, for like two minutes, one of the questions he brings up is, oh, is that Qui-Gon? Is it not? We don't. It's, it's like it's deliberately yeah. left open ended. He says, oh, he, says it's, he, okay. he specifically highlights that and says, who knows? The only thing I have to say, though, is that, like you say, it's never pointed out that it's the son impersonating Qui Gon. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, though, in the season, the series finale as of now, because we're going to get Clone Wars saved sometime in a couple of months. Yep. The final episodes of Clone Wars, Yoda hasn't, and if I had more time, I would probably have been forced to watch these episodes too. <laughs> Yoda goes on a, um, kind of like, I don't want to say sabbatical, but like he kind of goes on a vision quest. He, okay. It's very spiritual. It's in the same vein as the Mortis stuff. It's in the vein sure. of everything. Again, if we had more time, we, we would have delved into that too. And what happens there is that Qui-Gon's spirit through the use of like a like kind of like oh god whispers of the wind instructs Yoda what to do, and Qui Gon and I think Yoda says like oh why don't I see you? He's like I didn't complete my training for physical manifestation, Ooh. or or my training was incomplete before I learned the ability to physically manifest myself. Sure. So the question then is, could it not be Qui Gon from the Mortis trilogy? 
Mm. Or is it just a production snafu where it's like, oh, and they made more to say weren't thinking about this? Yeah, that's a good question. But interesting. Interesting point you bring up. Absolutely. I don't know. It's one of those things that that's why I think it's deliberately ambiguous. They could think about they could explain that easily in something, Mm -hmm. but they've chosen not to. Because I know in the from a certain point of view book that they released a couple of years ago. They do have Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan talking to each other during the events of it's when in uh, New Hope where Luke goes off to see this to quote unquote save Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru when Obi-Wan's at the the, the sand crawler, <laughs> apparently Qui-Gon appears with him appears to him and they talk. Oh, I would by, love to get this scene in Thumb Wars. Because he leaves for <laughs> Aunt Aunt Soon Dead and Uncle Gunabite it. And then like Qui-Gon could show up and Obi Ubi Dooby Banubi would be like Qui-Gon would say something like, they're dead. He, you know this, right? And he's like, yes, but let him find out for himself. <laughs> what would be Qui-Gon's Thumb Wars name, Rob? Oh. I thought of something. And then when I said it in my head before I said it, it, it does not sound uh, appropriate. So I'm not going to say that. Uh, let, me, let me get back to you on this one. But I have to say, though, I think by the events of that From a Certain Point of View book, I think Qui-Gon says that he's learned how to manifest himself physically. So I don't know. That's the one where they okay. keep they, they keep changing moving the goalposts. So hmm, I don't know. It's I, I I think the fact that it's not revealed to be the sun and the fact that Qui-Gon says this is a very powerful conduit that the force runs through. Yeah. I could see I could see them doing that. There's no reason not to believe it's Qui-Gon. Yeah. Because nothing he's saying here, nothing there is a lie or deceiving or misleading. So why can't it be him? Exactly. It's definitely different from, you know, because when Anakin talks to his mother, it starts to go negative at a certain point where the mother's telling him how to live his life, basically. When Ahsoka talks to older Ahsoka, the same thing happens. When Qui-Gon appears and talks to Obi-Wan, it's just like, you got to watch out for your apprentice because he's going to face who he really is on this planet. And that's not like trying to get Obi-Wan to be good, not trying to get him to be bad. It's just a warning, which is more of what I would imagine a Force ghost would give. Yeah. Because even okay. the... Because it's thing too, that's interesting. And I think that's one of those things in Star Wars. Anytime a character tries to uh, prophesize the future, they're like, oh, they're lying or they could be wrong. I don't think... Or anytime there's a reveal in Star Wars, people always go for like the low-hanging fruit of, oh, it's a lie. I don't mm-hmm. think that's the case because even the Ahsoka thing is very, very... Oh God! Forthcoming in that the Ahsoka vision says, "If you remain his his apprentice, you will not live long," and that's what happens yeah. in the season five finale of Star Wars: Clone Wars. Is that Ahsoka gets framed for something, and she leaves the Jedi Order. Oh, and so okay. and that's because that was one of the biggest questions during the Clone Wars was, well, why isn't Ahsoka referenced in, in Revenge of the Sith? She's such a back when people hated Ahsoka before she became a fan favorite. That mm. was kind of the rallying cry of the naysayers. Where was she during Revenge of the Sith? And then that's how it was explained was she left the Jedi Order. And that okay. and that okay. plays into the foreshadowing in season three, which was roughly two years in advance. So that's yeah. another, again, that's not, that's another kind of like, you know what tally mark in favor of everything I've said for the last two hours. Plus <laughs> is that, you know what? I make fun of cowboy hat man, but he does like, he knows his foreshadowing. He definitely knows how to see things. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. So Qui-Gon, I would say probably though, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day. <laughs> sure. Okay. In the next episode, altar of Mortis, uh, there's a scene where the son and the daughter fight, like they force push each other. And 
I thought it was because it's it's after the son kills or attempts to kill the father, and he has the great line where he's like, the daughter says something like, "Why would you hurt father?" And he's like, "He was selfish and took too long to die." And I was like, "Great, I got, I understand your motivation." But there's a scene where like the two of them are fighting, the son and daughter, and it's just them holding their hands out and like colors are pointing at each other. And I was like, this is really lame. Like, I, I, I think I said this to Zach before. I hate when, like, characters have force abilities or telepathic abilities and they have to show down at the end. And it's just them standing there looking at each other. And this was a little better because it's animated. But, you know, um, the two things that come to mind whenever this happens are the um, Fantastic Four movies with Jessica Alba. Because her is the invisible woman. Whenever she has to like cast a force field, they're just like stand there and strike a pose. Like that's your superpower. You and it makes a force field. <laughs> but the other thing I always think of of really lame endings is Dark City. Because the end of Dark City has like the two telepaths fighting each other in Dark City, and they're literally just looking at each other with like veins popping out of their forehead. And so those those are the things I always think. And I'm like, man, that's always lame. Like, even though Zach and I talk about how movies ending, like the Marvel movies ending with who's going to punch who, I'm, I'm, I'm against that, and I'm just as much against this, where it's like, okay, they have powers we can't see, so they're going to look at each other. The reason I'm bringing this up is because Dark City is one I always think about with this. I love the movie Dark City until the end for that exact reason. So I think that was the, um, the last thing I wanted to mention with the quick, uh, in the last episode, The Ghost of Mortis. Like I said earlier, the Clone Wars episodes were the ones that I wasn't as into because I kind of was like, okay, where are we going? Here we go. Moving along. Anakin, blah, blah, blah. I really loved the idea in Ghosts of Mortis where the son shows Anakin how evil he's going to become. And Anakin's like, okay, let's just do it now type of thing. (laughs) And I was so on board. I was like, I never knew this happened. I never knew Anakin had a glimpse of his evilness and dark side future before Revenge of the Sith. And then... Like, six minutes later in the episode, the father's like, your memories are erased, and the audience's time is wasted. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm done. (laughs) So, yeah, I had to mention that. I I really love that idea, but I hate that they undid it so quickly. Like, that deserves a story. That deserves a multiple-episode story arc to me. Like, you got to give me, this happens, he beats the son, the father's dead, the daughter's dead, the, they get away, the force is okay, but in future episodes, he has to struggle internally with him knowing that information. Sure, if he forgets it, he gets his memory wiped, whatever. Stupid story deus ex machinas are going to exist no matter what. Don't make it in the same episode. Give that idea time to breathe and that's what i wanted to ask you does that idea ever come back or is this just kind of a one-off for anakin's future uh so they always foreshadow that he has, he has a dark side that's, that's yeah but, but this there. this was like he saw it he saw visions we get the line from revenge of the sith where obi-wan is like you anakin you were my brother and it like shows him striking him down like i was on board for that no you don't get that yeah you don't get that again you might get that again, not with Anakin though, but I think Yoda sees some stuff in that in the series finale. Oh, okay. So Yoda might, in his in his ancient self was like, hmm, responsible for war crimes, I will be. <laughs> like Yoda sucks. I, I can't stand Yoda. Like if Yoda's that powerful, he messed everything up. <laughs> well, I think that's part of Yoda's entire arc over the series, too, is him learning that like he was blinded by 
by the the ivory tower. I think that's oh, part okay. of his thing that a lot of people kind of like sure. they kind of miss by by and the he goes into hiding on Dagobah and all that stuff. And well, that's what he says. Like when he has his little line, like when he jumps out of the little like shaft into uh, Jimmy Smith's like speeder. Into hiding, I must go. Failed, I have. That doesn't yeah. mean like oh. just simply okay. I my duel with the uh, monster mash like bombed out. Like okay. Yeah. It's not like he slapped me across the face with his glove and I lost. It's not that. It means like like everything that I, I am responsible for all this. I let this gotcha. happen under my watch. And again, that point is reinforced in the Last Jedi. Luke says that like the Jedi at the height of their power let let evil fester. Too powerful, what? the Senate. Failed, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Retire, I will. Yes. <laughs> One thing about that season uh, series finale of Clone Wars, Palpatine in that interacts with Yoda very similarly to how he does to Ahsoka and Ezra in the uh, World Between Worlds. Oh, he has the like the giant like what would you want to call it like bird bath with like blue flames coming out of it, mm-hmm. and he interacts with Yoda across like the galaxy. Yeah, that that does happen too. Again, like I guess if we had more time, we would have talked about the uh, the Yoda stuff because that's it's applicable here too, just to a lesser sure. extent. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that you know. Um... I, 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 it's no, no secret that I'll discuss anything. You know, there's very few things where I'm like, this is a waste of my time. I don't want to discuss it. I had no interest in watching these episodes of Star Wars, but I did. And I think we've had a great fruitful discussion from it. And I think it's good, you know, back earlier when I said, I don't want to watch any more of these. Zach, I am your canvas. Anytime there's an episode of Clone Wars or Rebels that you need to have the layman look at and, and analyze, I'm going to keep it that way. You know, nothing, I'm never going to go and watch all this in order. Like, I'm going to rewatch all of Law & Order SVU before I get to Star Wars. So I'm glad that it, we get to work out kind of in this fashion where, you know, every time it's necessary, some of these ideas can come into play and we can get this this kind of discussion about it. So Right on. I love it. I love this more than I love the episodes, and I think that's the best thing a podcast host can hear, right? Folks, if I want to be a sadist, should I make him watch the, ep- the five-episode arc, the little green frogmen and the droids, and they like wander around like the desert for like three episodes? Do I be a sadist to make him watch that for like 100 <laughs> minutes? I don't know. That sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> oh, it's not. It is not. <laughs> it's five episodes. It's 100 minutes. Zach's like, it's, it's, it's the waiting for Godot of Star Wars. And Rob's like, I love waiting for Godot. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I remember in college watching that like for like, like God, like over a month being like, is this going to finally wrap up? Is it finally? Because he just kept going. I remember being like, I, never, I don't think they ever did a five episode arc before. Okay. Okay. You're, like, you're talking about Star Wars. When, I, when you said, I remember watching that in college, I thought you said waiting for Godot. And I was like, why would it take Zach five weeks to watch waiting for Godot? And then I was like, oh. Because it's waiting for Godot. <laughs> the oh, movie you dear. can turn into a series. Oh, dear. All righty, Rob. You ready to wrap this up? I think so. That was the uh, last bit of uh, questions I had from that Ghost of Mortis episode. Um, it's been great. Thank you for having me on again, Zach. Uh, I hope that you know nothing has changed our plans. Next month, we will truly get to the first non-solo book review on Knights of Vader, right? Yes, because how many Knights of Vader hosts can read, Rob? Just one or two, me and you. No, no, Rob, only you can read. I'm going to have to fake What do you do? Do you braille or audiobook? What, what's your secret? I just, I just stare at the page and be like, damn, I wish I could read. <laughs> I hope that in this book review episode, we will have some great insight 
um, to not only the Star Wars universe, the frightening Star Wars universe, I should say, because it's going to be very Monstober related. Hopefully. <laughs> so conclude this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out the Facebook group, type in Knights of Vader on the Facebook, and you will find us there waiting for you. Rob as well. Find Ooh. us on Instagram at KOV Podcast. Shoot us an email, KOV Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check you're out welcome. the show notes. <laughs> For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemodis. And you can come here, Rob and I, on the Cinemodis podcast, where we'll be talking about... Terminator 4 and 5? Salvation and Genesis, I believe? Aw, yeah. Sorry, Force Ghost Jim. I know you said you wanted to be involved with those episodes, but you asked us a month too late, maybe? <laughs> or or he learned about it a month too late? Who knows? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Unfortunately, Cinemodis records itself way too far in advance, so uh, the buffer. The buffer is a, is both a treasure and a curse. Yes, to all the Knights of Vader that do the recording, uh, organization is a weird thing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Rob. Good night, but not goodbye. <laughs> and as always, remember Alderaan. Remember Alderaan, absolutely. I gotta get I gotta get a voice clip of Jeremy saying thank you for the next month's episode, right? Because <laughs> he's he's you know he's or you're welcome, I should say, because he's uh, he's just as much a part of it. But yes, thank you once again, Zach. Goodbye, goodbye, uh, Carly Beth. Remember Carly Beth. Goodbye.